Now, if you're an Aberdeen fan, you know that success is just a ball hair away. And that's why this episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. The best in men's below-the-waist grooming, Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the Performance Package 4.0. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free, that's free, worldwide shipping with the code ABZPODCAST at manscaped.com. That means your ball hair doesn't need to be quite as close as Kenny McLean in the 2017 Scottish Cup final. It's Wednesday. And you know what that means. Welcome, episode 37 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott. Joining this week, it's Gavin, Jay, Baxter, and a welcome return for Graham Steele. Gents, how's it going? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. I think I said last week that I had energy levels resembling Jet or Jason Brown, and now I'm COVID positive, so it's much closer to Jackie McNamara against Queen of the <laughs> South. But uh, glad to be here and looking forward to what we've got to talk about in this week's show. Lovely stuff. And completing the lineup this week, making his second appearance on the show this season, just one away from the hat-trick ball, hailing from the media behemoth that is whatculture.com. It's the one and only Andy Murray. Andy, great to have you back. How's it going? Great to be here. And I'm doing a lot better than Jason Brown Jet and uh, the other person <laughs> whose name I forgot already. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it should stay. Fuck Jackie McNamara. Aye, I'm more of a I'm more of a David Gonzalez. There we go. Love it. <laughs> In a week that saw the Aberdeen women's side take to the field at Tawdry for the first time in over 100 years, that saw Scotland's second side, Italy, fail to make it to the World Cup after hibsing it against North Macedonia, and that saw Kelty Hearts win promotion from League Two, it's a slightly quieter than usual ABZFP this week, as we take some time to preview Saturday's visit to Dens Park in the SPFL Premiership, as sexy Jim Goodwin aims to keep the Dons on track for a top-six finish. We'll look back at that historic homecoming for the women's team last Wednesday evening and their 1-1 draw with Spartans on Sunday. We'll check out how our loanees have got on in Lone Watch. And after the break, we'll have a chat with Andy about some of the very much non-serious suggestions we've received for which Don's personality should be next up to be immortalised in bronze alongside Sir Alex Ferguson outside the pit. But first, important business. The Dons travelled to Dens Park on Saturday for the second time this season, looking to build on the 3-1 win over Hibs last time out, aiming to continue our push for a top six finish in the league with all hopes of then snatching fourth spot and European football at the end of the campaign. Now, I guess, first things first here, boys, before we embark on the preview, because we all know how this is going to end up, are we all agreed, Mark McGee, absolute stonewall legend of Aberdeen Football Club for his playing career? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely no way you could dispute that. Good, because there seems to be a lot of people out there who seem to be unable to separate this from what will inevitably happen in this preview, um, where we probably talk about Mark McGee. So let's just get that out of the way first. ABZFP, Mark McGee, Aberdeen legend on the players' front. Great stuff. 
So we travelled to Dundee, buoyed by a good performance against Hibs that gave Sexy Jim his first win as Don's boss. And I guess before we get into the bones of the preview, uh, Andy, just your own initial thoughts about the new gaffer. Uh, pretty encouraged so far, I think. Uh, a horrendous task to try and take this team that never really had much of an identity under the previous manager and trying to craft one of your own. Um, or you know, use what was left behind and and try and put something together really, really quickly. But I thought the Hibs game in particular was quite encouraging. Um, it was the first time, maybe since like one of the first European games this season where um, I, I, we felt like we were a proper functioning unit, not miles away from the finished article, but like the midfield three in particular uh, worked extremely well together. I thought Ferguson, Barron and uh, McCrory, um, which would be a bit of a problem on some occasions because that means you have to play Declan Gallagher in defence. But it seems Jim Goodwin is the Declan Gallagher whisperer because um, even he <laughs> entered a, a nice wee performance against uh, Hibs last week. So I was relatively happy with the with the uh, with the appointment in general. I think it would have been nice to have seen us cast a ambitious net across Europe and and maybe. Uh, chase someone some sexy foreign appointment down with ideas and sports science and stuff but then you know Stephen Glass had ideas in sports science so there you go um, <laughs> but yeah like of the realistic appointments within the Scottish footballing realm I think Goodwin was a good one I like that he's just come in and stamped himself on the team um, as much as I adore the man Scott Brown uh, it kind of shows the strength of the manager if he's able to come in and and uh, dispense with a character of that size. And it's the same with Jet in the press the other week. Uh, you're not fit enough to be in my team. Uh, I think a lot of us saw that coming as well. But no, it's encouraging early days for sure. I think this season is going to be very difficult to get much of a read on anything. But uh, wasn't feeling particularly great about it until after the Hibs game. But looking forward to the rest of the season now. I think that kind of transformed it for me from a okay, let's just get these games over with and not get relegated to, okay, yeah, no, the fourth is only four points away. I know it's a meme. I know it's a meme, but <laughs> broadly positive Jim Goodwin so far. And of course, he's very handsome. So there you go. Very, very handsome. I was just thinking as well, when you were just talking there, Andy, last time you were on, it was when you mentioned Scott Brown, last time you were on the show, um, that was the Scott Brown dispensing of the soul of E2 Vertanen. Guess who I watched a little bit of yesterday uh, as he turned out for Linfield against, I think it was Dungan and Swift's or one point. That's right. E2 Vertanen. Still looks like a man absolutely just with no soul whatsoever. <laughs> oh, that, was, that was sensational, man. Just imagine thinking that the right person for you to try and wind up <laughs> is Scott Brown. I hope he never gets his soul back. <laughs> I don't think he's going to. He's playing for Linfield, for fuck's sake. He's not going to, let's be honest. I mean, it's, it's right. been sold at the very least, yeah. <laughs> um, last time out at Dens, it's fair to say it was a pretty torrid uh, early evening affair. Uh, Aberdeen eventually going down by 2-1. That night, Gav, you and I were in attendance at Dens that evening. Um, it's fair to say that the knives were well and truly out for Stephen Glass that evening. A real horror show of a game that also prompted the immortal Dave Cormack BBC Sports Sound Colin. So, there was some positive that came out of it, I guess, in a way. Um, and it, it, it our, probably our first crisis show, of which there's been many now in 37 weeks, fell off the back of it. Yes, absolutely. Um, a matter of minutes after 
Dave Cormack went on Sports Sound and, <laughs> you know, we're all just kind of like collectively just looking the other way, pretending we don't see this happening. Um, yeah, it was awful, awful performance that, that night at Dens. And I think the one thing that I come to expect from Jim Goodwin is that a performance like that is not going to be tolerated in any way, shape or form. And with that being said, I expect us to go down and put on basically the absolute opposite kind of performance, a lot of drive, a lot of hunger and really take the game to Dundee. And They bullied us all over the pitch that evening, didn't they? Well, I mean, so Scott Brown, who, yes, he did absolutely, you know, take Vertain into Chinatown in Perth, but... <laughs> But um, <laughs> is that not just a Chinese restaurant in Perth? But um, <laughs> inevitably, um, but that night he was Scott Brown had the piss taken out of him for ninety minutes by Charlie Adam. He did, and it sort of it was the first inkling to me of maybe Scott Brown's legs being not what they once were. Let's just say that um, I can't imagine if we play the midfield three we are going to play. I don't think Charlie Adam's going to get nearly as much time and space on the on the ball to, to dictate the game, and uh, and yeah, that'll be. The key in stopping what limited threats I think Dundee will pose to us. Graham? Yeah, it's pretty much all of that. It, it's not possible it can be as bad as it was. And it's not acceptable what happened before. So even everyone's got to be looking at this. I mean, the league table's so tight and it's so crazy. You might get this and you might get that. But at the end of the day, we need to be, you know, we need to be doing our job. And the state they're in, regardless of the fact that it's away from home, it has it's got to be three points. It's pretty much that simple, I would say. Yeah, I agree. I think if we don't win this game, then top six is out of the question in my mind. Oh, yeah. Too much would need to happen on the last day of the season. So, yeah, vital game for us to take some level of dignity from this season. That seemed uh, pretty unlikely. Well, that October day, for example. Yeah. And I mean, as has been the case for most of the the season from us, um, that game in October, that was Dundee's first win of the season. Uh, We gifted it to them. They've only won four in the league since then, uh, on a streak at the moment of six without a win in the league, seven in total. Um, since the decision of the Dundee board to sack James McPake after winning at Tynecastle and then um, dispatching with Peter Head pretty comfortably in the Scottish Cup and then making the, well, let's call it a frankly mad decision to... I was going to say bold, but yeah, you can call it mad <laughs> if you want. Okay, bold. The bold decision to replace him with uh, Mark McGee. Dens Park side have failed to win a game since Mark McGee's been in charge. They've only scored four goals in the seven games he's been there. We, we'll, we'll come on to talk about Dundee as a team and everything else in a minute, but we can't not talk about the decision to appoint McGee, can we? Um, probably the cinchest, cinch thing that happened this season, I, I, I would suggest. If you're being genuinely honest about this, um, I think it's fair to say that Mark McGee does not get a job anywhere else in the Scottish top flight apart from a club where a friend of his is high up within the organization and is involved in the footballing structure and the decision-making process. Uh, I don't think that's unfair to say. It could be Celtic then. Is Gordon Strachan not like a consultant at Celtic? Oh, that's right. Whilst being paid by Dundee. Yeah, he is. Of course. He's still holding out hope. He's still holding (laughs) out hope. One of these days. When it gets to us, he'll be in the press saying that he was actually a better fit for Celtic than Postacoglu. Yeah. yeah, Mark McGee, there's nothing in his track record, certainly within the last 10 years, to indicate to me that he's capable of turning around a side who are in as bad a run of form as Dundee are. Um, you can tell the disgruntlement amongst the supporters that they've been sending letters to the chairman expressing how disappointed, to say the very least, they were with the appointment. 
yeah, the malaise has set in. You can just get the vibe from the little footage I've seen of Dundee that things are not well um, in terms of the connection between the supporters and the and the board and the manager. And yeah, to be brutally honest, I don't see any good coming from this appointment for Dundee. They've been the worst team in the league so far. Um, I don't think they have the tools to turn around. And I think that we, as a side, will have far too much for them if we can go there and perform to even close to the standards that we know we are capable of doing. Yeah, that stuff about his early game where he was sitting in a different stand and his earpiece was... Well, it's tremendous. It's like, on a football inside, it's just an objectively terrible decision. But as far as the patter goes, it's absolutely sensational. Um, Mark McGee, like, of all the personalities in the world I can think of to come in and galvanise a relegation threatened team to push on for the rest of the season and really get fired up, Mark McGee. I mean, <laughs> obviously, you know, the, the, the way they've played so far under his appointment suggests that they're in deep trouble. They were quite dogged. I get, that's probably an appropriate word against Rangers, but yeah. a very dysfunctional Rangers performance at the same time. And even the goal they scored was this floated cross that felt like it was moving at about two miles an hour through the air. It lands at the back post. Ryan Kent just kind of doesn't really jump to challenge for the header. And, you know, I'm not sure I can give them too much credit for that, despite, you know, almost getting a point or, or three points off Rangers or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, point this guy. He's got the, the, the touchline pan when he comes in. It's amazing. Great patter across the board. Um, I couldn't be happier. Uh, most, you know, I tend to judge opposing teams by people I know who support them, and most of the Dundee fans I know are pretty sound. Um, but this is just a great laugh at their expense, and uh, the, really, this game has great potential for us to not just on the performance front. Obviously, the Hibs game was something of a turnaround, but from just it could create a classic Mark McGee meltdown moment, and that's what I'm here for. I think that's what we're all here for. I think we all know what's probably going to end up happening. Um, you know, it'll be a one-nil win for Dundee. Hi, Dingus waving a mobile phone at the away end on the way down the touchline or something. I don't know. Um, it's all set up for that, isn't it? I mean, we'll probably come back to this whole entire episode. We'll probably come back to bite us in the arse. It is part of my prophecy. Yeah, absolutely. Just this, like you say, Andy, like the decision to bring a guy in with a six-game touchline ban when you're. You know, battling relegations, you think, right, you need this guy on the touchline, cajoling, you know, getting the boys fired up. First game at Celtic Park, he takes his desktop PC setup, <laughs> double, sc- double screening it. <laughs> Fucking hell. Then the first home game, was it Livy? They got, was it four Livy put past him in like four nil, like yeah. 30 minutes? And then the boy comes down for the selfie at halftime and he gets told to fuck off. And it's just, it's just gold, absolute gold. And that, this is all after even the first interview remember the whole nothing you can tell me nothing nothing you can't tell me about this Dundee team nothing I know everything about this Dundee team so Mark you're thinking about changing the captain oh well there you go don't even know actually who the captain is is it Charlie (laughs) (laughs) fucking balloon of a man (laughs) honestly Graham your thoughts on Mark McGee at at Dundee initially when I found out he had the ban I thought it's just it's lunacy. Like if they start the season, fine, maybe. But given that they are right in the mire, and you're running out of games fast, probably fifty percent of those games he's effectively unavailable for. 
I just cannot understand the logic. It's not like you're down to a pool of there's only Mark McGee as the last registered manager. It's, it makes no <laughs> sense to me at all. As Even his record doesn't stand up to any form of scrutiny these days. I know maybe way back when he was what, Wolves, Brighton, Weber, he might have been a little bit more exciting as a manager, but there's nothing in there that makes me think that was um, that was a good call. I'm enjoying it, but you'd be absolutely raging if you were a Dundee fan. I think the thing others that got me is, obviously, they sacked McPake. He'd won at Tynecastle. That's a good result by any <clears throat> metric this season. Hearts are going well, obviously. They dispatched with Peter Head pretty comfortably in the Scottish Cup for what could have been a relatively tricky tie. It kind of looked as though Dundee were maybe about to turn a corner. And it was... It almost smacked of, I thought initially they'd sacked McPake out of pure panic because we were sniffing about the manager they were looking at. Like they were thinking that's who we'd go for. And so, because it was really quick, it was suddenly McPake was gone and then McGee was appointed really rapidly. Like the rumours were out and I think basically a grand got placed at McBookie's within about an hour of McPake being sacked on McGee and they were like, close the books. Like clearly somebody knows something. And I, I initially thought they must be looking at Jack Ross or they're wanting Goodwin, and they're going to go for a push on it, so they're going to try and get in before we get there. But then for it to be Mark McGee getting pulled out, it's just like, sorry, what the fuck have you got? Like, what is going on? I'm so baffled by this. This makes no sense on any level whatsoever, other than the Gordon Strachan link. It's the biggest favour Gordon Strachan has done for Mark McGee since he paid 600 grand to sign Lee Miller from Aberdeen when Lee Miller was out of contract six months later. It's just... Baffling shit. Um, and the interesting part now as well is, of course, we just touched on the fact that Dundee are now six games without a win in the league. St. Johnson have suddenly hit a bit of a resurgence in form, not massive, but they've suddenly pulled out a few results out of nowhere. So it means Dundee are absolutely well and truly rooted to the foot of the table on 23 points. They're four points adrift of St. Johnston now. A huge, huge game for both sides this coming Saturday. I'd suggest it's a must win almost for both sides. Yeah, certainly. I think as we just mentioned, yeah. Um, if we don't win, then I can't see top six happening. And for Dundee's sake, that would take them 15 points away from Aberdeen alone in 10th place. And then potentially, what, seven points away from St. Johnston pending results. So, yeah, would completely agree on that one. I think just going back to the point we've been talking about with Dundee, like they are where they are. They've scored 25 goals in 31 games, conceded 53. Tells you the story there. You know, losing games on average, like by two goals to one. Let's call it that. Yeah. Um, Jason Cummings is still their top goal scorer with six with six goals. In total, maybe, yeah. In total, yeah. I think he got a shitload of goals in the early start of the season in the League Cup, I think. Danny Mullins, the top scorer in the league, has got five. So I think that's kind of telling a story that obviously because Jason Cummings left in disgrace in December. So um, that kind of tells you a story about what they've lacked in terms of scoring goals and keeping them out of the back. I think with the quality we'll have in midfield, like... Gary, you mentioned Connor Baden played sort of in front of the defense against Hibbs in the sort of like deeper lying role. I think we he get... appeared to, yeah. I mean, I I I feel like against Hibbs we played a kind of four, kind of four three three more than a four two three one, and it felt to me that of the three in the center of the park, Baden was playing probably the deepest of the three. So I suspect we go with a similar lineup again at the end, unless somebody's injured. If that's the case, like if we've got the running power of Ferguson McCrory coming from center midfield getting the ball out to Bajowin, perhaps even Marley Watkins making a start, serving Christian Ramirez, then I think we've got far too much for Dundee. And I'm amazingly confident for an Aberdeen victory, which I've put on a lot of facades this season. 
But this time I'm genuinely quite confident we're going to actually go and do the business here. That's clear that COVID is making you delusional, Gavin, I think. <laughs> that and the Dark Island. Excellent. Love it. But yeah, you touched on it. I mean, Dundee, the, the second lowest, lowest scorers in the division, 25, only St. Johnson have scored less. And that's not a surprise because St. Johnson couldn't score in the proverbial brothel. Um, Apart from the two they scored last time out. Yeah, obviously. But this is what I talk about, the resurgence in their form they've had up until that. They've been, you know... It was, it was Callum Hendry as well who got, but Callum Hendry's the winning goal last Have you seen it? It's absolutely outrageous. It's a beauty. Yeah. yeah. It's a belter, right? And made all the better by the, the ball boy behind the goal going absolutely nuts at it, which is brilliant. He's like, I don't know if you've seen it, but he's like skipping on the spot. <laughs> brilliant stuff. It's really good. It's just one of those like proper like feel good moments um, of the season because it didn't happen to us. Slightly off topic, but on Worldies, have you seen Fraser Fivey's equaliser? What a goal that was as well, by the way. Yeah, that was uh, excellent. I've got no love for the Cove, Sevco. I didn't of their name, obviously, but it was a good goal. And the fact that they got one over Airdrie in a way, I'm okay with, because fuck Airdrie. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, where were we? Yeah, um, Dundee, the runaway leakiest defence in the league. They've got 53 goals in 31 games, which is... Pretty good going. I think that 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 feels to me like Ebby Scovedale kind of territory. They've got a goal difference of minus twenty eight, which means they're actually really a point worse mm-hmm. off, really, than where they than where they are. Um, but their home record is pretty sketchy: three wins, five draws, eight defeats. One of those wins obviously coming courtesy of us, um, Natch. Touched on it. Top scorers put Danny Mullen in the league with five. Uh, Paul McMullen is probably the man with the greatest contribution to them from a creativity perspective. He's got seven assists in the league. I mean, Niall McGinn's, I think, their second or third most creative player in the league. He's only been there since January, and that's with two. Niall McGinn will, of course, score the one goal yep. um, at the weekend to, to, to secure the three points. Let's not forget that, and then he'll be straight out to try and complete Dundee Tinder afterwards. Um, I'm just going to keep that joke running for the rest of the season. I don't care. Very much a team happy to give up possession as well. Their average possession is 39.9%, which I think places them 12th in the league on that metric. And they're really, really happy to sit back, it would appear as well, because they're the lowest-ranked team in the league in terms of winning the ball back in the, op- the opposition's final third. Um, so they, they clearly are happy just to sit off and let people play. Um, probably not a bad idea f- against us, to be fair. Um, Declan Galkin and David Bates are not exactly you know, Van Dyke and Ferdinand. But yeah, I, I, uh, by the way, Declan Galkin's interview on Red TV this week. You heard it. I have. That's, that accent. It's not the way I expect anyone called Declan to sound. No, not really. I could see him swinging a baseball bat though with that accent. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. Um, and they're talking about David Bates as the as the ginger. They say the ginger Ramos. <laughs> and I'm not sure to see that at all. <laughs> what, what part of his game is similar to Sergio Ramos? The occasional <laughs> rash tackle. <laughs> no, no red cards. No goals. One, 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 one goal. goal. One goal. Yeah. Not much use of penalties. Um, yeah. A very odd Dream. that that to me just strikes me as like he's a who's a famous yeah. centre half, right? We'll just call him the ginger such and such, and that's what they're going. Terrible power, terrible patter. But yeah, I guess uh, I guess predictions then for the weekend. What are we what are we expecting on on Saturday? One thing we should, we should put out: tremendous effort from the away support again at the time of recording right now. I think we've basically sold out our allocation, which, given how absolute horseshit we've been this season, is is, is pretty pretty sensational. But yeah, what what are we thinking for for the weekend? I think they'll set up, you know, not not entirely the same way they do against Rangers, but they'll definitely sit back and try and stifle us, like you said. Um, 
But I, I think we'll overpower them to an extent and score twice. Uh, they'll get the. Let's go for the Niall McGingle. I'll go two one. Um, it's it's almost too too poetic, particularly after when was it twenty thirteen? He scored the penalty to put them down. Gets a little one back. Maybe puts the fear us fear up us. But yeah, I mean, it's the kind of game that if uh, Stephen Glass was still in charge, I'd look at us, look at the contrasting situations, and say. We're really fragile. All the odds are against them, but they're still going to beat us. Um, but under Goodwin, I'm a little more confident. I'll go 2-1. Are we to take it from your verbiage, Andy, that you are in favour of the decision to sack Stephen Glass? I am, yes. I, it, it's a sad situation, um, I think, for what he was as a player and, and all that. But it, it wasn't working and he was never going to turn it around, the poor bugger. Entirely agree. Um, I agree. I think it's going to be the reverse of the earlier fixture in the season. 2-1 Aberdeen. A Niall McGinn consolation goal, uh, which will follow two goals, courtesy of Ross McTorry and Marley Watkins' first goal back. Well, I'm going to buck my usual um, negative attitude. I'm going to say 3-0. I'm going to give him a scudding. I reckon, although both teams need to win, I... We keep a clean sheet. Yes, yeah, I know. That's how crazy I'm going. We're going to keep... Well, it is Dundee. <laughs> oh, that's gonna come out. You can cut that bit out. So no, I reckon we'll go down. I know it's a must-win for both, but if we are, we've got better players, in my opinion. So, and I'm not convinced Dundee will necessarily come out to make a game of it. Although I feel like they probably should do, given the state they're in. So I reckon we'll go down and have enough of the ball that will will cause them some problems. And I feel like the the, the way they're in, you know, if we could score early, for example, I, I can see the the ball's caving in on them. Graham, are you trying to suggest that Mark McGee will fail to prepare his team well for an upcoming game of football? Yes. Fair. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of think I'm in the same boat as, as you guys. I think that the Hibs game was a huge, huge game for Jim Gooden and for the squad. Okay, we played against 10 men for half an hour and that, that certainly made our, our afternoon's work a lot easier, but... I think it was a big win just to get that monkey off the bat, get a result on the table, get three points in. There seems to be some good spirit in the squad. I feel he's going to have two weeks now. To I say he's going to have two weeks with the team. Clearly not. I mean, like the Ramirez and McGee family households are obviously off to fucking Disney World and Euro <laughs> Disney, which has been great at viewing again this week on Instagram. I, I kind of feel the same. I think it was a good result. It should be quite buoyant, I think. My, my biggest concern is actually about Ramirez, how fit he's going to be. He pulled up late against Hebs was withdrawn for Ruth. Hopefully the, the Ramirez injury is not one that's going to keep him out of action for too long. Hopefully it was just a, a little niggle when he's back in. Because if, if we do go down there with no number nine, then that might change my view on things. If, if Jet's lining up. <laughs> Sorry. Let's give him his full name. If Jumbo Jet is lining up <laughs> <laughs> for us on Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Then... You know, I might be scrambling for the exits, um, the emergency exits, if we want to keep the, <laughs> the aviation puns going. All being well, everyone's fit. I agree with Graham. I think 3 now. Uh, I think Ramirez gets back on this, the goal trail. Bajau and, and uh, Marley Watkins. I mean, Disneyland is a big place. You're not getting around there if you've got a dodgy hamstring. He didn't appear to be in one of those yeah. carts. You know, like, they see like... Like elderly folk. I just hope he's a little more disciplined at the buffet when he goes on holiday than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and when he gets back, his clothes fit. 
and he's ready for Saturday. I thought that was inevitably going to be doubling down on the jet patter there. <laughs> no, no, I think Gary's that's Gary's little niche, so I'll leave that for him. As yeah. he as as, as he's eating chips. Yeah, well, the absolute <laughs> irony. <laughs> I feel bad about this. Someone's going to pull us up about body shaming or something, aren't they? But I kind of feel like fuck it. He's a professional athlete. He's meant to be a professional athlete. Like balls to this. Um, even Jim like Cooper, I said last week, you've been referring all season to Peter Pollitt as someone dressed in a fat Peter Pollitt suit. So um, <laughs> it's a very fair point. One thing I will say: the McGee and Ramirez families appear to have decided to all go with matching trainers to Disneyland. That sort of shit needs to get in the bin. Like, what is? C- could you imagine if any of us went on holiday with each other and was like, right, if I speak to Gav or Andy, hey boys, we're all going to get the same trainers to wear, but even better, right? Get our missus's they're a pair the same pair as well yeah and i'll get the kids the same pair fuck that what was that all about the boys in the terrace were doing stuff about stuff that needs to get in the bin this week um on the show and they wanted the cinch i saw people talk about like the phrase the cinch has to get in the bin i'm like no that that needs to stay it is the it is the perfect adjective for scottish football it needs to stay and if nothing else it should hopefully encourage like future sponsors to get involved because that's what you want, isn't it? You want that name recognition. Maybe not associated with this product, but... <laughs> I mean, it's entirely fitting for how just how shite the league is. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I remember last week you put like a really impassioned defence about the, the the glob, as it's been referred to as... Me, um, yeah, I know I did, a, I know. a reflection of how tight and competitive the league is and how that would be celebrated elsewhere. Nah, the league's just shit. That's what it is. <laughs> I, I honestly think, Andy, you, you I mean, obviously you, you live down south, so you're closer to the... English Premier League bubble than we are, right? If there was the equivalent of like four points splitting, I don't know, what would be the first European spot in the Premier League? Sixth place, seventh place, something like that? So between that and like the relegation spots, they'd be going mad about how crazily competitive the league was. Oh, they would. They would. Down here, they'll take any small thing that they can hang their hat reading best league in the world on and, you know, yeah. hang five hats on it. Uh, yeah, no, they absolutely would. Um it's just so hyperinflated down here. Um, I don't know, like, uh, quite often I can be guilty of not paying a great deal of attention to anything that isn't Aberdeen, our immediate opponents, and uh, just the numerical lineup of the table. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I'm always reticent to call the league shite, even though it is objectively quite shite. Yeah. Um, but if I'm calling it shite, it's usually in an endearing way. And that's why we need to keep hold of the cinch yeah. as a tagline, because it's such a stupid sponsor for a stupid <laughs> league. We're, we're going to play Mark McGee this weekend. He's going to have another wig out in the stands, flipping <laughs> off the fans. It's going to be awesome. What else would you call it? Exactly. Viva la cinch. Viva la cinch. In other news this week, well, Dave Cormack broke from his underground bunker to give friend of the show Tom what a call to um I don't know to have a chat it would appear um I don't know it's fair to say that there's some interesting tidbits that Tom provided on Twitter about the call now Tom's going to join us on the show in a cut in the next couple of weeks to kind of discuss things in a bit more detail but um just gents your kind of initial thoughts about the stuff that 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 Tom that Tom shared I think the transfer stuff is quite encouraging uh just off the top of the bat um talking about Scouting across Croatia, Poland, and the Netherlands. Obviously, the last time we had heavy scouting in the Netherlands, it was a bit of a mixed bag, Jimmy. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, um, if we're if this is to be read as recognizing that this 
summer's recruitment was suboptimal. And if it, you know, <laughs> that's a very polite way of describing. I'm a very polite man. What can I say? <laughs> I did. I would have used the word that begins with S as well, but it wouldn't have been so aye, aye, just as applicable. Uh, but I, I mean, if it means we're in a situation where we don't have duffers like Jack Gurr coming into the squad, um, it's it's a positive for me uh, if we're not leaning on the American connections so much. But coming out of it, I think Dave Cormack's very good at speaking. Uh, <laughs> and he says a lot with a lot of words uh, and I'm not entirely convinced that I trust him um, so it, it, I have to keep st- like obviously great work from Tom tremendous um, but I've got to keep stuff like this coming out of Dave Cormack's mouth at arm's length a little bit and see how it pans out but I mean if there is has been a recognition and don't get me wrong Dave Cormack doesn't always strike me as the most self-aware man um <laughs> <laughs> But if there has been kind of a recognition that, um, you know, the past year or so in the market hasn't been good enough, then fair enough. Um, I think it was interesting talking about the January window. I think much like Andy, when it comes to all the sound bites and all the chat from Dave Cormack, kind of just want to see actions rather than rather rather than hear the language, really. So, uh, yeah, it all all sounds good. But ultimately, any of us could come out if we think about it, could come out and see make out about you know good footballing philosophies and <laughs> come out with sound bites that'll be appealing to supporters but yeah i just want to see action so i'm just waiting to see what actually manifests from this uh this self-reflection and this uh apparent out of the blue decision to just contact tom and chat to him at aberdeen yeah kind of like you guys i realize cormac's been at the club for you know a few years sort of behind the scenes if you like before he was appointed to his current role and I think sort of the, the COVID year is, is like a bit like a year lost for the club in terms of what he could have maybe done. So I feel like it's early days in the relationship, kind of with Andy, that I haven't seen enough tangible evidence that what he says really sort of lines up with the actions. But that's not necessarily just him because it's, you know, there's other guys, there's Gunn, there's Mowbray, et cetera. That, you know, I feel like they're all we're just always trying to find our feet. But particularly in the January transfer window, you know, if the wordings, the decision was made not to spend money for the sake of it, okay. But if we basically realised that at the end of the month and all we did was miss out on a, what, an under-21 striker for Germany, that's an absolutely gross state of affairs if that was really <laughs> what happened in January. That's just absolutely woeful. I guess if you're going to come out and be honest, that's fine because the honesty might be, look, it was a mess and maybe that's what he's trying to say. But how the hell did you get into that situation in the first place? Yeah, that's that's exactly my issue with this whole it's, it's very glossed over January, I feel, with that. Um, and we'll talk to Tom in a couple weeks about it. And obviously, Tom was detailing it in a Twitter thread and with character limitations and all that kind of stuff. And I know that he's, uh, I'll come on to this in a second, but I know that there's some stuff he can and can't say um, out of the conversation so far. Um, but yeah, like the January window, it just felt like it was really glossed over. And, and you're right. I agree with the sentiment let's not spend money for the sake mm-hmm. of spending money. I completely agree with that sentiment. But how did you get to a point where you're, where you're then at the, I don't know, number nine or 10 on your list and you're going, uh, do we want to spend the money on that guy or do we decide that's not how to do it? That's my biggest bugbear is that we get to apparently the last night of the transfer window and it's at that point we're going, nah, I don't feel that we should be spending money on this guy. That's And that's not been talked about anywhere near enough about the failings of the January transfer window. Yeah, totally with you. There's no point in just... When I mean, they have said they won't just fill the squad and stuff, and I'm I'm all for that. We've got a limited budget, so don't blow it on guys just to hang around. But 
a couple of points with that. Either your list had targets that were never attainable, which is a sort of real flaw in that, or if there are guys on your list that you get to and you're like, I don't really fancy them, then they shouldn't be on your Buy list. Buy the list you know, to you, begin with. Yeah, you have three or you have five or whatever, and so you just run through them. If you don't get them, any of them, you don't then go to making up a sixth or a seventh. It's like, well, right, fine. These were the guys we were after. It's not happening. Move on to the next What's position. What's Chaberry up to? But, you know, I don't know. It's, I'm struggling to really understand how we got into that. I'm not necessarily, I don't believe what he's saying. It's just, if that really is the truth, you know, it's not really, it's not a great look, is it? And that's two January windows in a row that we've frankly fucked up. It's definitely three transfer windows in a row we fucked up as well. Yeah, but I'm looking at the January windows in particular. It, that's two of those that we've really, really badly messed up. There, there was perhaps some mitigating circumstances about the McInnes one. We've spoken about it at length on this pod before about this. Maybe they made the call. McInnes is gone in the summer. They knew they maybe knew that anyway. So we're not going to give him money to spend on, you know, putting guys on three-year deals, or whatever, because the next guy coming in might not fancy them. So we'll just try and get to the end of the season with whatever we can scrabble together out of the loan market. And we ended up with Fraser Hornby, Flo Camberry, and Calm Hendry. Calm Hendry, who was not scoring worldies at Aberdeen. Yeah, he absolutely wasn't. So maybe there's some explanation there, but to have, to have come out of the January window this time round with the squad and the mess it was in is is frankly for me unforgivable. I know that Stephen Gunn, I was going to call him Tony Mowbray, Larry Mowbray. <laughs> I know that they're like still relatively new in the roles, but that's not an excuse. That was a critical window we had to get right and we didn't get it right at all. What we have heard, the stuff that came out about, you know, scouting markets, Croatia, uh, Poland, the Netherlands, that all tallies with stuff that we had heard ourselves on the pod in, in and around the January window that we were looking at different markets, which is good, encouraging. Um, Andy's right. Hopefully the Dutch scouting this time will be a bit more Alex Smith, Jockey Scott and less... Scott Calderwood. Less Scott Calderwood. Yeah. <laughs> that, would be, that would be nice. Some of the stuff I thought was interesting, there was a... Tom made a note about there was some positivity from a corporate or sponsorship perspective, we could hear something about that soon. I don't really care too much about the corporate stuff. I know it makes a lot of money for the club, but I don't really care. Sponsorship thought I thought was interesting. I, I wonder if this sees us moving away potentially from Saltair as being the main club sponsors. They've obviously been with us since the start of the 2014 season. 2019 campaign, I think, was the last press release I can remember seeing that saw them announced they were taking up a multi-year extension to that deal. That would be them now into the third season after that. So I wonder if we might be looking at a new shirt sponsor or something potentially be interested to see what happens there obviously the local economy from a oil and gas perspective will be going through a bit of a boom period again now with price of oil being about 100 million gazillion pounds a barrel as it is at the moment that all helps but whether or not it's going to be somebody from that area or do we decide to go all save the children and decide we're not taking money from oil and gas companies anymore and it'll be like some sort of renewable thing who knows we'll see what happens there the other bit I thought was very interesting was about the beach stadium. Uh, I think the phrase that Tom used was that there appears to be, or that all efforts to that stadium being a, a gore are, are, are there, and there appears to be a political will, in inverted commas, to make it happen. And I noticed, interestingly, this week, the SNP in the city, they are going to make it part of their manifesto for the upcoming city council elections to deliver the beach master plan, which would include the stadium. Um, it's the first time I think I've seen any of the parties so far come out to say that they would absolutely definitely go for it, so that might be a bit of a vote, a vote winner potentially and off the back of this, the club announced was it Friday night, I think Friday night, 
that there's going to be a trial of this fan zone at the Beach Ballroom ahead of the Dross County game on the 9th of April. And that looks like it's going to be a bit of a precursor, a trial, whatever you want to call it, alongside the council, because obviously they own the Beach Ballroom for that potential beach stadium. For me, this is a great step forward in terms of the fan zone idea. It's something I think people have been crying out for for a while. The only problem they've got is they've scheduled up against a beer festival that's happening in the city that night or that day. Um, been helpful to maybe check the local calendars to see what was happening. Not that we've got tickets for the beer festival at all. But yeah, I think that's a positive and that could be something that hopefully does gain some traction and sees um, the move towards the beach stadium becoming more and more of a gore. As we're all supping on our beers. Just thinking about that beer festival. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's that's, that sounds like a positive, the idea of the, the fan zone at the ballroom. I think um, if we could incorporate that in the future, it's kind of ties in nicely with what Noel Blaha talked to us about in terms of creating more of like an Aberdeen-centric day out uh, in future for the club and potential money spinners that can come out of that. Yeah, seems like a positive. Again, we'll just we'll see what happens with it. And I think we'll uh, I think we're making our efforts to be there though earlier in the day, aren't we? We're gonna try to, but still nobody knows who we are, so it doesn't really matter. We're still doing the cloak of anonymity, so I like yep, it. Absolutely. <laughs> Anyone on the stadium? I, again, I when it comes to the stadium, there's a couple of lads at my work. They're both from uh, they're from Romania and they're from one of them's from uh, Latvia, and I keep telling them about the stadium. Because they all say, we, whenever we like drive past where Cormac Park is, like, so what's happening with the stadium? It's like, well, now they want to build it at the beach. Now they're thinking like 2026. Listen, like, I remember the Aberdeen Century DVD coming out in, in 2003. And someone on that making it clear we had to get out of Pataudry as soon as possible. 20 something years later, we still don't have a location. So uh, much like Dave Cormac's words, when I'm in the new stadium, that's when I'll, I'll talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, same boat. Like, uh, Pataudry's been uh, kind of labelled this crumbling ruin for at least 20 years of my fandom as well. And going back even before that, the, the rumour, the word going around was, oh, it's Stuart Milne, he's going to sell it for property. We're going to end up in some barn somewhere or whatever. So, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm the same. It's it, it, This story has kind of been away from the local area. I felt quite detached to it. So I did actually hear about the, the, the West Hill area thing being cancelled until a couple of months later until I saw something in the press and I was like what the hell's going on I should probably pay more attention uh, to, the, to the goings on in the local area but I am in the exact same boat uh, I'll, uh, hey when it happens it'll be great and it'll be nice as long as it doesn't have a running track yes. Um, <laughs> but, yes. but until then uh, uh, the crumbling Atlantis that is Pataudry will do just fine I think you know, the match day experience for me is a couple of pints before and just going to watch Aberdeen. I'm less concerned what fancy stadium that's in. So Pataudry works for me. I realise it does work for necessarily families and, you know, bigger picture and long term. So if we really ever were to get something down at the beach, you know, that's where it should be, in my opinion. That'd be absolutely brilliant. But it's just really difficult to get enthusiastic about club officials and politicians telling us that we're going to get something that we've supposed to have been getting for 20, 30 years. It feels like I'm like you when I see... I see Cormac out there with a spade breaking ground <laughs> and I might be thinking this is happening but I feel like we're a few years away from that yeah, I think that's absolutely fair enough I mean the one thing I would say is obviously if anyone's around and they can get down to the beach ballroom for that fans and I think it's a good thing the to fans do. was an excellent idea yeah it's about yeah. time the club was trying to do something you know different or just get everyone together pre-match so I think that's a really really good really good idea and hopefully they shift all those tickets and that gives them the sort of the, the reason to try it again. 
but it's that thing, isn't it? Like the fans are always crying out for stuff like this to happen. So the fans, like the club, have come up with something now. It might not be perfect, but it feels like a good. It's a, it's a good start. It's a start, isn't it? So you can have to buy into it and then see where it goes. And it's that thing. I think most people would all have. I've said this all along. You know, like you look at the Broadhill Bar at Pataudry. You know, I still think that the club should have bought that when it was available, when they should have turned it into a supporters bar. And people, you know, as much as it. As much as I think it pains people to say like they wouldn't go to the Pataudry bar or whatever anymore, I think if people knew that they were going to go somewhere and sink a few quid into a couple of pints and knew that the profits for that were going to go to the club, they would do it. You know, I, I can't see a scenario where people wouldn't do that. Um, but maybe some of the beach bottoms is a good idea. Get some local, um, some of the local breweries and stuff involved on it, whatever. I think there's loads of opportunities there they should really be kind of trying to capitalise in on. So that's all good. Like I say, I think, you know, I'm not trying to tell people what to do, but we're always crying out for the club to do more on this type of shit. So when they actually turn up and, and do something, people need to buy into it and give it a shot. So if you can, get yourself down to the beach bottom on the ninth. Um, certainly a couple of pints will help before you have to go and watch mad racist Malky Mackay's Dross County. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's just... Uh, again, I kind of feel the same way about uh, as you guys, I think, as well. Around Tom has also only been able to share what he can share so far on Twitter and let's say we're going to talk to Tom in a couple of weeks about this in a bit more detail um, I kind of do feel in a way that Tom's been put in a little bit of an awkward position with this um, Tom's a good guy great guy well respected um, podder and everything as well um, I think my biggest concern with, with with what's come out and is the messaging from Cormac is all very in inverted commas positive you know um, and many f- fans reacting to Tom's thread have kind of reacted to that in the same way which was oh it sounds really positive it's great it's great and it's like yeah it is but it kind of strikes me to an extent as well is that like A are we a little bit concerned about initial season ticket renewals in that first week Um, have they been slower than they were expecting so there needs to be a level of positivity and positive messaging being put out by the club to try and encourage people maybe who knows that's me being deeply skeptical about stuff i think i was just surprised i was expecting maybe to see people have a little bit more critical analysis i think about what was being said i was surprised to see so many people just being like yeah this is gravy this is cool yeah not not to sort of be critical of anyone involved when people get put in position but ultimately it, it's essentially a sanctioned pr exercise yeah. so it's clearly going to focus on the good things or the good things in the future and it's not necessarily going to dwell on the state of the January transfer window for example which we keep dwelling on you're you're not going to get what you really want out of these types of things because they're only going to pick and choose what they want to tell people that being said it's long overdue and he's been awfully quiet so it's a start but I think like I've said one one occasion you go for the you're either in or you're out on this stuff so it's either the start of regular communications and hopefully what feel like open communications not sort of scripted stuff or what's the point because if we don't hear from him for another few months until he's then telling us that we've got no budget because people didn't get season tickets not really up for that so either the start of something meaningful and regular or just stop doing it Uh, this is the other interesting part as well is the fact that it's been announced this afternoon about the fact that they're going to run these series of um, conversation with slots on red tv that graham hunter is going to host and the first one is going to be dave cormack is going to take place at the split and i'm interested by this one because graham you're right and this is i think the thing we've been talking about and i like i know that some people kind of laughed about us being the ones who kept on going right dave if you want to do your q a that's been way fucking overdue that you promised you were going to do and this is the thing it's like 
people kept on being like, oh, well, if he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't want to do it. It's like, well, that's fine, but he promised he was going to do it. You, you have to be in or you're out. You can't be this halfway house thing. And it's going to be interesting for me to see how the Graham Hunter conversations go because, you know, Graham, friend of the show again, without us wanting to be too big-headed about this stuff, he's not a guy that's going to, he's not going to accept being told it has to be like a list of preempted questions and they'll only be approved questions. He'll want, you know, Graham's a, a serious journalist. He's going to want to put, and and he's a serious journalist and, and more importantly, he's a diehard dandy. And so he's going to want to put questions in that I think the fans are going to want answered. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out because it's not the, with no disrespect to Mal Panton and the media guys at the club, it's not going to be one of these softball interviews that is preempted and they just throw up easy questions for the chairman to knock out. That'll be interesting. And that could be a positive as well that's coming out of this. Yeah, it, it could all be the beginning of something a little bit more transparent. And, you know, because I just want to get a feel for, it's not so much dwelling on what would look like mistakes from our point of view. It's just acknowledge it, give us a feel for what actually happened. And then that's fine. Just don't repeat it. It yeah. doesn't have to be criticising people or, you know, belittling them and stuff. Look, it happened. Give us a feel for what actually happened. Because all we get to see is, it ticks around to the 1st of February. Yeah. Nothing's happened. Um, how did that, you know, where did we end up in that boat? I just want to know what happened. Why is it not going to happen again? Because you've got this structure, etc. Great, we move on. Hopefully we're here from a few months' time. We understand what's happening behind the scenes a little bit better. And then we start to see some actions from these types of interviews. And that, like personally, that would start to build up that uh, that trust again. And that's the Aye. thing I think. Oh, sorry, you go, Andy. Sorry. No, I was just going to echo that. Really, he's, uh, you know, Cormac mentions things that sound really positive on the surface level, like scouting in uh, valuable markets like like the Netherlands and Croatia, um, without really offering too much on the process of it. And again, it's a Twitter thread that yeah. you can't put absolutely everything out there, whatever. Um, but yeah, like an acknowledgement that that rather than maybe saying January was frustrating, maybe acknowledge a few of the things that went wrong there rather than kind of using a blanket term that doesn't really mean all that much or could mean a bunch of different things. That yeah. that, that would go a long way. And yeah, the, the conversations with Graham Hunter are going to be very, very interesting as well. Like you say, going out on a going out on a, an Aberdeen platform as well, right? Yeah, it's yep. going out on Red TV, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so a really interesting balance there. But if we come out of this with a more transparent ownership and a clearer idea and a more self-aware ownership, we'll be all the better for it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the one thing I felt was missing out of the thread Tom put out. Something I want to talk to Tom about was whether there was even a recognition within Cormac himself about the fact that I think they've, I think he's burnt up a lot of goodwill in the in the last 12, 18 months that was there because he was such a refreshing change in terms of character and personality from the previous chairman um, that I think a lot of people were very, very positive initially when he came in. And I feel that, you know, the the Atlanta United link-up, it's not, Graeme, you touched on it, COVID's really put paid to a lot of that, I think. It's not, we, we haven't seen any sort of real benefit from it. But it leads to a deep scepticism within the support around it because of what we have seen so far. The Stephen Glass appointment everything around that that's burnt up a lot of goodwill as well and I, i'd like to see a bit of recognition that they've got some stuff wrong and the thing for me is i, I just want to see like the, the stephen glass thing is the one that really really grates me is like not treat the supporters like idiots 
you know, we, we all saw that coming miles down the line. We all wanted it to work. It didn't work. Um, the guy has to carry the can for that one, I'm afraid. And to see a little bit of kind of transparency in that process, I think we all said it earlier on. See if they'd come out and said, after McInnes left, look, we've been thinking about forward planning and succession planning for when Dell goes for, for some time now. And we have the strategic link up with Atlanta and Stephen's doing a really good job as Atlanta 2's manager. I mean, that would be a little bit stretching the truth. But if they'd come along with that and gone, so we'd identified eight early ages ago that this, he was going to be the guy, I think more people probably would have gone, all right, I don't really see it myself, but okay, you've kind of explained it to me in a way that makes me go, there's been some thought processes gone into this. Rather than try to go, uh, we interviewed like four candidates and all this kind of bullshit. And it's like, come on, we all know what happened there let's let's but anyway let's 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 see what happens on that bit it'll be interesting chat with tom in a couple weeks as well on that one i'm hugely excited for the graham hunter interviews i but i do hope his first question is can you show me a picture of darren mulberry (laughs) get darren mulberry in definitely (laughs) absolutely um because i noticed even that the first three are going to be i think it's gonna be cormac goodwin and gun i think in that order no darren mulberry so does this guy exist for all we know it might as well be tony mulberry Maybe it's Dave Cormack in a Tony Mowbray mask. <laughs> so, on to the women's team. Two games in the space of a week for the Quines, and all eyes were on Potaudry for the homecoming game that saw Rangers visit the Granite City in SWPL1. A crowd of just under 2,000 on hand as the women's team played at the home of football for the first time in over 100 years. A fantastic occasion, one that will hopefully inspire many young girls and women in the stands and across the region in, to get involved in football and other sports. A spirited display by the Quines keeping title challengers Rangers at bay in the opening 45 before a shot from Jane Ross was deflected into the net past AJ Meach on the hour mark and the visitors sealed all three points with a goal on 75 minutes from McCoy which returned them to the top of SWPL1. And I guess it's a result that has to be put into a whole host of context. Uh, the visitors, one of only three full-time sides in the division, a side that put eight past the Dons of no reply last time out in the league as well. And in a way, the result itself was almost uh, irrelevant going into this one. The occasion and, I guess, the op- opportunity to inspire the next generation of girls, young women, was the most important thing about the evening. And I think it's fair to say that that box was ticked uh, in that regard a decent game played in a great atmosphere and here's hoping that there'll be some more opportunities provided to the girls to make this a semi-regular feature at the pit going forward gents your thoughts on on that one on, on wednesday evening like you said the, the results it's difficult to get to I me mean, you don't really want to lose uh, at all it's difficult to get um can't really get too downbeat about that i think they're having a pretty good season to be fair so it would have been nice if they could have got a win, especially at Potaudry. I think that would have been that would have been really good. But like I said, it doesn't really detract from the occasion. Uh, I think it's really good that it was well supported. So I think that you know that is important. At the end of the day, boys, girls, wherever you are, you're all Aberdeen fans. Everyone just wants to play and represent the club, and you know whatever level they can represent the club. So you know, saw some of the the club had put out some really good videos with some of the the women that played for the the team sort of in the previous guys has basically played for Aberdeen forever. Yeah. And, you know, it's what it means to them and the opportunities that maybe weren't available back in the day. But at the end of the day, they're still getting to play at Pataudry. You know, any three of us would love the opportunity to, to step out into Pataudry. So it's, it's really good that they 
they got that, you know, a lot of them have been there. I think there's quite a few of them have been there for a number of years, actually. Yeah. And maybe yep. never thought they'd get this opportunity. So really, really good for that. Really pleased that they got to do that. Hopefully this isn't the first and last. Hopefully this becomes more of a regular feature. So, uh, yeah, really pleased. It's good that they did it. The Good that they, um, you know, clever with the admission. Um, as in it's, you know, it's free kind of good thing to get people in and pay by the result. But I think overall... They're having a pretty good season when you you look at that league, considering the Aberdeen team's not full time. The first few slots are taken up by who'd expect they've got the resources and they're full time. So it could be difficult to break into that in your first season back. Um, so yeah, hopefully they keep up the good work and hopefully the the club keeps up the good work in terms of basically just treating everyone who represents Aberdeen as an Aberdeen player, and you get to use the facilities and you get to play at the stadium. Fully agree. I think you saw. Um... Both on, uh, both on Red TV and also on, even the terrace. They had segments on Kelly Forrest and Lauren Campbell, who've been with the club for a number of years now, and you could tell from the way they spoke how important the, the moment was for them. And it was great to see it was well supported. Um, I saw tweets from likes of Rachel Corsi, who's been on our show as well, mentioning how important, how monumental a, a moment it was for the women's team. Uh, like like Graham says, it make it makes that team feel more connected in a way to the club when they're playing at what is Aberdeen's home stadium. You understand why they play at Balmoral most of the time, but hopefully going forward, yeah, that'll be that'll happen more and more. Good performance, competitive against one of the best teams in the in the SWPL. I think the women's team have had a real learning curve this season, but they stood up to it really well. And yeah, I think um all you can say is it was a a very positive evening all around, and hopefully there's more to come from it. Yep, absolutely. Graham, you touched on it as well. I mean, I think because of the way these things work, because it's a semi, you know, semi-professional outfit, I guess, at the moment for the women. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of them have been with the club through their various different iterations for a number of years, and in the whole, they're all local girls to the region, you know, because that's just how this works. They're not being paid a professional contract to move somewhere. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of the squad are all Aberdeen fans as well growing up. So, you know, you're right. Any of us listening to this podcast this evening would, you know, it's one thing to play at Pataudry if you're playing there for like your school team or something as, as some of us were fortunate to do back in the day when cup finals and stuff used to get played at Pataudry sometimes. It doesn't really happen that much anymore. It's a, it's a different thing to take to the field to Pataudry in an Aberdeen shirt representing the club that you support. Um, so they're all living that dream uh, getting to do that Wednesday night and fingers crossed that can become like I said earlier on a more uh, a more regular feature hopefully as the seasons seasons get on turning to Sunday afternoon it was the turn of Spartans to visit the Balmoral two changes for the Dons from Wednesday evening Hannah Ennis and Hannah Stewart coming into the starting lineup with Donna Patterson and Louise Brown dropping out and it was the visitors who performed brighter in the opening 45 minutes probably unlucky to go in at the break Goalless, Spartans doing well to restrict the Aberdeen front line to pot shots from distance with Hutcherson, Collins and Shore all attempting long-range efforts, but none of them troubling Yates in the Spartans' goals. And it was Spartans who were to rue that just six minutes later into the second half as Bailey Hutcherson notched her 18th goal of the campaign, latching onto a slack back pass to the goalkeeper. And she coolly rounded Yates and rolled the ball into the back of the net. But the Dons lead only lasted for 13 minutes. A hotly disputed corner saw McCafferty rocketing a header into the top corner of A.G. Meach's goal to give Spartans 
a deserved equaliser, and that's how it stayed. Spartans with a couple of penalty shouts late on that weren't awarded. A snap volley from Galbraith at the end, flying just wide. But the Dons saw out the game to take a point. All eyes now on next week's Scottish Cup tie with the Celtic at the Balmoral. And no game for the young team this week, as many of the squad were away on international duty. So that means we can move straight on to loan watch. So no action for Luke Turner or Mark, Mark Gallagher. Presumably the pair of them might be away learning how to open a bottle of champagne now. Uh, two Don's loanies faced off against each other and both Jack McIver and Finn Yeats played the full 90 as Keith and Huntley fought out a 0-0 draw at Kirk Park in the Highland League. Keith Nguyenia played the full 90 as Kelty Hearts beat Stenhouse Muir by one goal to nil. And with Albion Rovers beating Annan, that sees Kelty confirmed as League Two champions with five games to spare. Evan Tyler. Congratulations, Kelty. It's a bit much, Gav. In the sense of that now Connor Barron and Kieran Gwenya will have League winners' medals in their back pouch. It's uh, it's all worked out pretty well in that sense. Uh, I'm sure Gwenya will come back with a spring in his step in the summer and ready to kick on. So, and in that sense, Kelty have worked out pretty well for Aberdeen this year. That is absolutely true. Definitely. Jet to Kelty. Yeah. For the first half of next season, <laughs> Jet Kelty for the entirety of next season would be fine. Oh, no, <laughs> um, you just put him for half and then you'd get him back for his 21 goals. Yeah, moving on swiftly from that one. Evan Tyler played the whole game and Tyler McKaita was a 79th minute substitute for Elgin City as they saw off Edinburgh City in ex Don. Alan Mabry's first game in charge of the side from the capital. Elgin winning that one by two goals. And I believe the assistant manager for Alan Mabry. A certain Mark Kerr. So hopefully he's been using his championship management experience on that one. If there's an increase in the home team uh, telling their fans where to go, we'll know that Kerr's also had an influence behind the scenes. Absolutely. And the other thing I want to say is whoever it is that runs the Edinburgh City Twitter account, um, you need to sort out like your layouts and fonts for announcing statements. It's fucking dreadful. Go and have a look at it. In this day and age, just no. Very cinch-esque though, I would say. Mason Hancock returned to the Sterling Albion lineup and played the full game as they beat Stranraer in Scotland by one goal to nil. No Ryan Duncan available to Peter Head as he was on international duty for Scotland and Dean Campbell was, once again, an unused sub as Kilmarnock beat Partick Thistle by two goals to one in the Championship. No fantasy football Scotland update this week uh, on account of the fact that there were no games for us to get involved in. Uh, obviously, Graham had a shocker last time out. Uh, chickened out of coming on to face the music <laughs> for that one. Bored of your shite is the reason. He <laughs> <laughs> decided to embarrass himself by suggesting he was going to go and watch the Stereophonics to get out of it, but there we go. I didn't suggest I was going to watch it. I actually went. I don't see what the problem is. You've been to see them before, <laughs> but you've just turned at this massive music stop. I went to see them before when it was like, you know, in the time. Uh... We've been to see them within the last 10 years, and that's not within the time. Honestly, for anyone who listens to this, having to deal with these yes. two. Yeah, so Brilliant. stick it right. Uh, what was the album after Language, Sex, Violence, whatever? This is where Gary will have a selective memory on his music. Would it would have been something like Pool the Pin or something like that. I think that's right. Yeah, I distinctly recall it because the lead singer of The Enemy was stood next to us. I don't remember this at all. And... With the greatest respect, Gary, there's not many men in the world that you have like a six-inch height advantage on. <laughs> But that guy. <laughs> that, but that guy. I do not remember that at all, but there we go. Um, I'll take oh, it. See, it's all coming out of the woodwork now. <laughs> <laughs> Who were, they, were the enemy of the support act? No, um, like the revel, was it something on the revelers? 
Oh, I've got no idea, Gav. No Reverend, idea. Reverend and the Makers. That, that was Reverend and the Makers. Yeah. Or it might have been the enemy, actually. It must have been the enemy. Reverend and the Makers supported somebody else that we went to see. Oh, that was Noel Gallagher's solo thing. No, no. It's somebody else. And I was pleasantly surprised by them. Anyway, there we go. You might have been. Remember, who was it as well that we went to see that had um, fucking hell? Anyway, this is a total segue now. Let's just let's just lean did into the boy it. From, did the boy from System of a Down? Oh, that was um, he supported. Now they support Foo Fighters. Was it Foo Fighters? He supported. Rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, definitely. Wow, what a fucking shocker that is. I was his solo project supported uh, Foo Fighters. That's right yeah. at the AECC. It was very good, actually. He was he was really good. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. Um, that was an interesting segue. We're just slagging off Graham about the stereophonics, but never mind. Uh, did they play many songs from their new album, Uchia? Uchia? I'm going to be honest. I was quite well oiled by the time I got there. <laughs> <laughs> and continued to keep the well oiling going. What's the selection so, of beer like at Tekka? Expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally no idea what it was. It just getting handed it to me. Lovely stuff. Not for me to suggest that that's probably the best way to go and see the set of phonics, but never mind. You're just being an arsehole because I went. <laughs> <laughs> Which is absolutely fair because I would do the exact same if it was other way around. <laughs> so I can't complain because it's it's my tactics being used against me. I'm just being an arsehole because yeah, it's just my modus operandi to be quite frank. <laughs> there we go. Um, this was a long roundabout way of getting to the point about, although there's no fantasy football Scotland update this week, the ABZ Football Podcast 2021-22 end of season award poll is up and running. Really, really, really good response early doors on this one. We're going to keep it up there until like the end of the season. Nah, th- well, no, 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 no. Can't be up there to end of season. We to, we've got trophies we have to go and purchase and get engraved with the winner's details on them. So I think we've got the poll up and running for another week. I think until the 2nd of April, I think was the data set. I'll put the link for the poll itself in the podcast description or it's on our Twitter feeds. So we're disqualifying Jet's opportunity of getting that 20 goals in the next seven games. This is a little bit uh, preemptive, a preemptive shot, shall we say. There are, uh, no, there are a couple of free text entry boxes that people can put their own entries into. So if anyone wants to vote for the big man, they can, they can pop it in if they wish. There's some incredible categories up there. Um, the, the Gary McDonald Award for the most anonymous performance of the season, um, which is good. Although it does make me think, whenever you talk like that, it makes it sound like Gary McDonald's dead. Um, <laughs> I don't believe he is, but I don't know if anyone would know any different anyway. Um, but there we go. Uh, what else do we have up there? There's. Well, we have all the bog standard ones. We've got player of the year, young player of the year, of uh, most improved player, which was my most challenging Category, if I might add, <laughs> finding a player that's gotten better as the season's gone on. <laughs> some of the some of the responses to that have been pretty entertaining so far. I'm not going to lie. Um, what else have we got up? Moment of the season. That was a hard one to try and whittle that one down. I must admit. Cinch moment of the season. That's a non-Aberdeen one. I'll be honest. There's a runaway leader on that already. He's been brought up quite a few times already on tonight's podcast. Comes <laughs> 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 a surprise to anyone. Mark Kerr. <laughs> Mark Kerr. <laughs> Women's player of the year, obviously, that needs to be in. Goal of the season, that was a hard one to try and think about. Just decent goals were scored this campaign. Well, I just 
go back a step goals we've scored this season. Yeah, actually, it shouldn't be hard. Should it? There's not been that many to think through, but never mind. AFC Podcast of the Year award. We've not been big head enough to put ourselves in the running for that one, obviously. Uh, so, some good categories in there. Get yourself voting. We will go to the bother, maybe. I don't know how expensive this will be. We'll see. We'll figure it out to, to actually get some awards commissioned. We will go to the bother of researching the feasibility of having some <laughs> awards and trophies commissioned and revert if it's possible. I'm looking forward to sending down a trophy to Mansfield Town. <laughs> um, meltdown of the year. That was the other one. That could be that one is looking pretty, pretty spicy at the moment on the poll votes. That might end up as having to send something to Ibrox, which also would be pretty funny. To be what fair. time are you shutting the poll? Did you say? Noon, I think, on the 2nd of April. Do you not want to make it about 5 o'clock-ish? Yeah, good idea. I feel like you might be cutting something off there. You might want to run that one a few hours. Yeah, actually, maybe we should let it run till the Monday, just in case <laughs> Just in case DC decides he wants to do another Kenny McIntyre <laughs> rant. Yeah, you might want to put that out to the Monday. Yeah, okay, agreed. We'll, we'll extend the voting till, till a week on Monday. That sounds like a good idea to me. The link for the poll will be in the descriptor box thing on the podcast, uh, you know, the bit I mean, or you'll be able to find it on our Twitter page, whatever. It's a piece of piss to do it. It'll take you like three, four minutes to do it. Get on it. Your vote counts. It's like X Factor. It's like X Factor, unless like a general election. And that wraps up part one of this week's show. Join us after the break, where we'll have a look back over some of your very own non-serious suggestions on who should be the next Bond's personality to be immortalised in bronze outside the pit alongside Sir Alex. And to play us out this half, here's Nicky Aitken with his track I'm On Fire, which was released last week and is available in all of your usual streaming locations. Follow Nicky over at Nicky T Aitken on Twitter. So here's I'm On Fire by Nicky Aitken. <laughs> Try to force my hand I 
try to be the golden boy, but that's never got to play. And well, I'll get there someday. Hell, I'll leave them all behind. Well, I want to have a good time. This ain't a race. It's time to steal my chance. You'll never take my place. I got this So, has lockdown got you feeling like you don't have the self-confidence to embark on an Archie Knox-esque dressing room, dressing down, with no pants on? Gav? Oh, you know it, man. You know it. It's like a fucking jungle down there. Well, hey, have no fear. The performance package 4.0 from Manscaped is here. And like a prime realm again, it's a real game changer. <laughs> <laughs> Now, inside the performance package 4.0, Gav, you can attest this. You've got a package. I've got a package. <laughs> We've all got a package, and then we got an extra package. You'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, their weed whacker, ear and hair nose trimmer. Thankfully, that's uh, not of any required use for me quite yet, but you never know. You never I know. need it. I need, I, I need that. Not in the ears. I don't have... The ears is not an issue. No one's told me the ears are an issue. Nose, hairs, yeah, that's, that's a problem. Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Luxury Travel Bag. For full transparency, all of us on the ABZFP, we've been provided with one of their Performance Package 4.0s. It's a pretty cool We set, yeah, Gav? Yeah, I was very impressed with that, actually. I was expecting just like one, just expecting the lawnmower 4.0, and then to get the full, uh, yeah, like you say, the full package. Very, very impressive set. Absolutely. Hey, and let's talk about the lawnmower 4.0. It's a pretty remarkable piece of kit. Uh, a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce nicks and cuts. It's waterproof. Has got a 400k LED spotlight, which is very handy for in those areas. I mean, if anyone should know, the people that have documented Aberdeen for the last 35 weeks will know that if you go into something with the wrong stuff, it can lead to absolute disaster. Absolutely. And that 400k LED spotlight, that helps you with a more precise shave to make things look a little bit less Davy Robb and a bit more Jim Goodwin. That's right. We've had to think about comparing Aberdeen personalities of past and present here to your boss. <laughs> that's, that's what we're doing here. <laughs> and the Weed Whacker nose and ear trimmer. It's waterproof. It's got a proprietary skin safe technology again. Helps reduce nicks. 
snags and tugs on those delicate nose and lug holes ensuring you won't miss a thing from your favorite interview on the abz football podcast the performance package 4.0 brings even more to the table with their crop preserver ball deodorant and crop reviver ball toner and trust me give that a wee splash on the the old boys that'll just fairly lift the day shall we say and it'll change the way you approach your hygiene routine trust us this ball care puts Connor Barron to shame it doesn't end there Manscaped even throw in two free gifts to the performance package 4.0 a pair of anti-chafe Manscaped boxes now I used these last week at fives and I'll be honest that was the best performing thing about me at goals <laughs> I was just going to say it did not help your overall football performance Might had a much more comfortable night's sleep though <laughs> and there's also a free travel bag now it's time to take care of yourself. So head over to manscaped.com, use the code ABZ Podcast to get 20% off your order and free shipping. And listen, we know that it's not just guys that listen to our podcast. So, girls, you're listening out there. Maybe your other half's had that, you know, they let themselves go a little bit in lockdown. Get on there. Maybe a wee birthday's coming up, even a Christmas present. Get in there early. Manscaped.com. Use the code ABZ Podcast, 20% off your order, free shipping. Trust us. Your balls will love you. It is crucial to have the right equipment when you're dealing with that particular area. Because if you get it wrong, you're going to make Kirk Broadfoot blowing up an egg in his own face <laughs> pale in comparison to what happens to you. So get on it. Manscaped.com, ABZ Podcast. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. So, after the euphoria and the nostalgia of the Sir Alex Ferguson homecoming and the statue unveiling, we put out a little thread on Twitter um, a while back looking for the ABZ FP Solar Systems suggestions for who should be the next Don's personality to be immortalised in bronze outside the Dick Donald. And the only caveat we put on this was we wanted these to be as sublimely ridiculous as they possibly could be so it's international week there's nothing else to talk about so here we are and here we go so i guess before we start going through some of the, the thoughts and some of the suggestions that came out from some of the guys on twitter guys any that come to mind for you mark Kerr flipping off the south stand yes yeah <laughs> that's the one i want in a, in a 2-1 home defeat to kilmarnock i, I would think. contribute to a crowdfunder for that one <laughs> I feel the scoreboard should be a part of it. Like, you know, the fact that we did lose that game. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really important. I think the fact that he gave it the get it up, yeah, and then turned and pointed at his shirt, I think. Pointed to his shirt, yeah. Yeah. So if it could be one. animated, I know that's not really a statue. I want some sort of robotic monument in this particular example. I guess it could be interactive, couldn't it? Like you could get yeah, yeah, levers and stuff to make him do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's gone a bit. Make it very clear that he's got the captain's armband on as well. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking that movement's very Rob Van Dam, not K- Mark Kerr. E E R. Yeah, R. Yeah, <laughs> he's not pulling that off. <laughs> Mark Kerr will come back up on this again, I think, actually later on. So the caveat is that's got to be ridiculous, and I don't know if this fits into that, but 
and I didn't expect it to be including Boa Baldi in a statue, but uh, oh. Eugene Daddy mid-spin when he left uh, Bobo for, for dead and uh, yeah. in that 2-0 win at Padaudry in the snow. Bobo with the look of like, where did he go? Kind yeah. of like yeah. shock. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I'd quite like to see in in right in light of recent comments in the press, uh, Matty Longstaff with a painted into Aberdeen long ball flying over his head. <laughs> <laughs> Either that, or he's on his phone looking at Google Maps trying to find the game he's just been subbed onto. One of them. With his with his P forty five from Macclesfield, wherever shite he's at, just out of the back of his pocket. <laughs> I'm absolutely up for that. I, I actually. That's where my crowdfunder money money would go. Yeah. Sorry, Mark Carr, no statue for you. <laughs> and on the on the plinth from Matty Longstaff, it will be all the comments from Newcastle fans complaining about how the Scottish league was too much for Farmers League for him. Oh man, yeah, that was you should have heard my office man when he came back. Like, oh, he's too good for the league. Blah blah blah. All right, lads, go watch the tape. <laughs> <laughs> Working in Newcastle for the listeners. <laughs> Gav, yes. Do you give a suggestion there? I can't remember. Eugene. Oh, Eugene. Sorry, you did. Eugene Merkin Bobo Baldy. It was so memorable. My one was um, I had to, I had to write it down because I, I loved it so much. Somebody had flashed a photo to me. I think because it was about the time that the Undertaker had been announced for going at the Hall of Fame for the WWE this year, and I had him with his like silly hat on, and all I could think of was Charlie Nicholas on the day he got unveiled and he was walking up the main stand in his long leather trench coat and his fedora, <laughs> and I thought. If they did the statue so badly that it just looked like The Undertaker, that would be amazing. That's what I'm here for. You could put him alongside Paul Kane as well. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst Brothers of Destruction ever. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I think we're just going to go through some of these. I think some of them are absolute gold. This is the, like, I enjoy when stuff like this happens. And the amount of times as well that people can come out with, like, really similar suggestions. I loved it. Um, first up was David Robertson just reading the Beano like that one it was good I think you'd have to do that on the back of a bus though because that's how that story went wasn't it which could link in with one of the other suggestions we've got I think we'll do that one later on um, next up was Niall McGinn completing Tinder I don't know how that would work on a statue just him sitting swiping you could have the animated finger swiping along I that's guess it. yeah you're right. Inter- interactive aye <laughs> maybe it's like, like could the statue have its own little photo booth right so you could get your photo taken and now would have to decide whether to swipe right <laughs> or left very judgmental this uh, Niall McGinn statue I feel like we're now just advocating for just Niall McGinn standing outside the dead old stand with a phone <laughs> <laughs> we'd probably probably be a better job for him than his current gig absolutely definitely <laughs> Like this one, Ilian Kiriakov, fag and mouth, <laughs> being hustled out of the 524 cocktail bar yes. on George Street <laughs> in cool match day gear. Is there any more you need to say about that one? I don't think so. No, either that or him, like, you know, over like a blackjack table or something like that. I believe he was quite fond of the old casino as well. He was quite fond of a lot of things. Other than <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe in light of what Arnold told us, maybe just him sitting eating lunch. <laughs> having retired without telling anybody. I like this one as well. It was current Barry Robson running off at Tyne Castle with a visible turtle heat. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm not sure how that would work because it would have to involve the shorts being <laughs> round his ankles and I don't think that happens, but yeah. This is always these issues with these types of ideas, isn't it? You have to start thinking through the practicalities for the, sc- the poor bastard sculptor. 
Yeah, we're basically just going to end up spending like lots of money on human statues. Yeah. Like, which I do not want anywhere near Padre, nor anywhere that I'm in close proximity to. Well, I like that one as well, though, because you know how the guy who did the, the Fergie statue, whose name completely escapes me now, but his like attention to detail was such that I think he got Fergie in and he measured was his, from his ear to his chin, I think. So you could get like the proportions absolutely bang on. Can you imagine that be that guy who'd have to measure Barry Robson's turtle heads? <laughs> <laughs> now, Barry, do you think that's about right from how it was at Tin Castle that day? Get <laughs> 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 some still images and work it to scale. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Fuck it hell. Xander Diamond blowing out the candles on his Celtic birthday cake. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Assisted by Mark McGee. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was the cake he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> it was the cake he got. I seem to recall he also had like a Celtic party hat on as well. He did, he did. Oh, fucking hell, man. What the fuck? Um, Jimmy Caldwood doing his own personal tombola in his trouser pocket. Again, I feel they have to be animated a lot of these. Clearly, anything of Jimmy Caldwood involves a sunbed. That's what it should be. It should just be, a, a again, an, an animated... I say animated, it's not animated, is it? <laughs> <laughs> A mechanized statue. It's like sunbed that just creaks open. People walk past. <laughs> Somebody suggested Gary McDonald, but this wouldn't be a statue. Um, it just wanted to be standing there doing nothing for years. That way, he'd finally earn all the money he got paid while he was doing fuck all. So I think this person actually just wants Gary McDonald to be brought back. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I mean, if it was Gary, Gary McDonald for me, it would just be an empty plinth, surely. <laughs> Well, the beautiful thing is about Gary McDonald is we might have had a Gary McDonald statue for years. If it was an accurate representation of the player, you'd never see it. It's always worth mentioning that that man was considered to be Aberdeen captain. Oh, Jesus. Did Gary McDonald make it into our worst 11? He didn't, did he? I think he was on the bench, wasn't he? He was on the bench, I think. I think he, yeah. We spoke about him for a little bit because Gary McDonald, the invisible man, is one of my favourite bits, as you can <laughs> probably tell. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, Gleeson and Chidi were the midfield. That's <laughs> my Jesus Christ. Fuck, you know. Gleeson and Chidi. Shit. Uh, Mark Kerr. Mark Kerr's back again. Um, somebody <laughs> wearing a championship manager ruined me t-shirt. <laughs> Which I like I like that I, I think it's more As Graham pointed out It's the Get it right up your gesture To the south stand In a 2-1 defeat at home To Kilmarnock uh, Jet A statue's a fitting tribute To his movement Was what somebody said So that was good I enjoyed that one uh, Gav I think this might have been yours Yeah so I was proud of this one Yeah Lauren Jaffo In a heap Clutching his hamstring After having spanked one in the top corner against Dunfermline. I'm all for that. Yes. <laughs> what are you thinking, Gav? Just with the, the leg muscle just completely straight on the deck. Yeah, just like, you know, like, like a 90 degree angle, just like up the way, yeah. Screaming out in pain. In absolute agony, but also probably a level of joy having, because it was an yeah. absolute screamer of a goal. Yeah. That, that fine line between euphoria and pain. It's just, <laughs> like, watch, it's just like watching me at goals on a Thursday night. <laughs> A Rashid Bellabed overhead kick. Someone had to stipulate it had to be in his own half. Again, I don't yeah. know how that would actually happen. How do you how do you show on a statue it's in his own half? Just more or less, you just have to create a model of a pitch first. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking life size outside the McDonald's with just Rashid Bellabed. Or we could uh, we could place it on the actual pitch and it could be a fun obstacle for people. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, I don't know if you saw this. Um, when they did the Fergie statue unveiling, I I love 
the, the average intelligence of the average Scottish football supporter. There were so many who were kicking off going, they can't leave that statue there. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, mate, that's what we're doing. We're just going to pop them on the corner of the six-yard box and just <laughs> like make people have to triple around it. Like, what the fuck? Like, seriously? I think it's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was up for just if, whenever Gary Woods is having to go in goals, we could just stick him in the, in the sticks. And it would be just about as much use. <laughs> and he can maybe be put on one of those, like, you know, the Sabutio sticks. So you can just kind of like flop him to the side if you <laughs> had to. Somebody standing there with a pulley. <laughs> <laughs> Neil McFarlane being outrun by a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I think that was, um, that was, uh, oh, God, that was your man. His name's totally escaped me now. I want to say Graham Giles, football bag, key of oh, yes, I, terrace I, I, I. fame. Uh, you know, him and his wee boy who were doing all the, the grounds. I'm pretty sure that was Graham who suggested that. Graham has got an incredible, incredible, deeply rooted hatred of Neil McFarlane, which I think is really admirable. <laughs> that is the same Neil McFarlane that dominated the midfield in that semi final, by the way. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, Andy, you'll like this one, obviously. Alan Tate. Giving someone the finger after tackling him. <laughs> One of my all-time favourite moments. Like, low-key. Low-key. It was like... <laughs> this, it, it was a... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not exactly a, a finely tuned athletic machine myself, but Alan Tate was a strange-looking individual. So, <laughs> seeing this, uh, this like, defiance coming out of him in this moment was... <laughs> I'll take it to my grave. I, uh, again, I kind of I feel that this has to be like a... A movable statue. This has to be robotics because I want to see him running like he shit himself as well. <laughs> <laughs> and giving the finger. So it's got to be kind of. It's got to be doing a lot of stuff. Um, Wearing his league cup winners medal around his neck. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, yeah. He's on the coaching staff at Nottingham Forest, I think, at the moment. So what do you think he's teaching Scott McKenna? <laughs> Christ. All I can, every time I see him on the bench, all I think is that's our sell-on fee just dwindling away. <laughs> <laughs> Scott McKenna's doing very well at Forest, actually, to be fair. Yes, he he's doing very well at Nottingham Forest. Because of Alan Tate? Clearly. Just League Cup double winner. Flicking the Vs at anyone that comes near him. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if it, was, if it was just the Vs, you could make him like one of those old wrestling figures where they can like, do, like, make one movement with their arm. It's just Yeah, oh, when you press the B button on the back. Just, yeah. like, love it. Great stuff. So somebody, this is this is what I talked about earlier on. Whether Dave Cormack realizes the the level of goodwill in which he's lost, because somebody suggested that it doesn't matter. All these statues will be dwarfed by the Christ the Redeemer sized statue of Davy Cormack that Dave Cormack <laughs> will humbly commission, <laughs> <laughs> and I presume to be like mounted on the top of the Dick Donald, just like. <laughs> Uh, Dave Cormack definitely has a mural of his own face plastered across his living room wall. <laughs> Bless him. What I would be hoping for if that LED was lights being used for the teeth, which will then yes. illuminate the pitch. <laughs> yeah, we'll just do do, do away with floodlights. <laughs> Someone posts Darren Mackey reading a copy of Lord of the Rings. Never right? happened. Never happened. This is my point. Surely he'd be watching Lord of the Rings with a pristine, unread copy of the book sitting on the table next to him. And he'd been remarking about how the book must be good because the film is great. So now we need like 
a couch, a TV, Dan yeah. and Mackie, a book, and like something like a speech bubble. Well, that would just be the speech bubble in the plinth. Dan and Mackie, <laughs> reading champion. <laughs> and then just the full quote, which is still one of the best things. <laughs> Bless him. Uh, he, uh, he appeared on um, Kev McNaughton's stories on Instagram the other day. I think they were like Mark Pete's 40th birthday or some shit. That's how you know you're getting old when Mark Pete apparently is 40. And the Dazzlers, um, yeah, I don't know what to say. Um, not in training not in training (laughs) which is absolutely fair enough he doesn't need to be definitely but probably still looks fitter than Jet to be fair so but yeah he's gone full real Ronaldo (laughs) (laughs) I would too (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely he's entitled to uh, to enjoy himself I'm going to have to explain to like my son at some point that a picture of that guy that Ronaldo as he is now would be like he was basically one of the greatest players of all time On honestly genuinely he was one of the greatest I'll tell you what though that is the only time the names Ronaldo and Darren Mack are getting mentioned in the same <laughs> sentence <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit more of a fecal theme here Jeffrey DeVisher taking a shite I might be missing something here did, did, did <laughs> yeah, this what? happen? What? do you not remember he got busted see because I thought about this when you asked me and I was like no one's going to remember this, so I'm just going to look like I've got some sort of fecal fetish. <laughs> but he got busted. He got busted in Holland, uh, taking a shit in the woods. <laughs> I thought it was. I don't know. I did by the police. I don't know if he. I don't think he ended up in jail or anything. I think it was just a fine. But he actually got busted. Yeah, I thought it was. In, I thought it was in the street though. He was like a night out or I, something, wasn't he? Well, this might be the driver missed. I think the facts are he did get arrested for doing that. I just don't know where the location <laughs> was. And I'm not about to break out a search history for that. <laughs> I don't know which version of that story I prefer, the woods or the night out. Yeah, yeah, that's true, actually. Maybe tomorrow if a colleague leaves a computer unlocked. I love the idea of, like, the Dutch Tommy Wright just going through the woods one day and finding, you know, some guy with his trousers down. <laughs> like, not today, son. I feel like Jeffrey DeVisher's a guy we need to get on the show. We can ask him about it. Oh, yeah, that'll be first question. First question. <laughs> Was it the woods or was it on a night out? <laughs> Everyone's he, dying to know. <laughs> if he knows, he knows. I guess it could have been it could have been a night out and the woods. Yeah. yeah. A night yeah, out a in the woods. Trip. I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel we need to get to the bottom of this. No pun intended at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone just put up uh, David Maldini Grassi in his face mask. I I would have just put the face mask itself, I think, on a plinth. Do you remember as well that the Evening Express did your did their own cut out like make your own grassy mask <laughs> <laughs> I I loved David Grassi because when he signed for Aberdeen it's one of the papers did an interview with him because he'd come from like had he come from like Espanol or Parma he'd been at like that some, sounds like he'd, way he'd, too good at he'd been at some really good academies and like maybe he'd fallen away from them since then but he said because like around that time like there was a major tournament coming up and he said that he was going to use his time at Aberdeen to get himself noticed by the Italian national squad. <laughs> and the journalist can, and the journalist asked him like, sir, are you saying that you're going to use your time at Aberdeen to force your way into the Italian team? And he just replied, well, you've got a dream. Yeah, you're definitely confusing him with someone else, Gav, because I'm just consulting a certain well-known webpage and none of the fancy teams you've mentioned appear on it. No. I think you're thinking no. of Vijadunovic. Somebody's also also playing games on Wikipedia because they've got him as being (laughs) in in 2020, the Byron Boys Club player manager. (laughs) Fucking hell. He's got a trio of man of the match performances according to his biography, including one against Middlefield Wasps. So there you go. (laughs) 
<laughs> he scored in a 1-1. Look at this. I, I think I need to read this out in its entirety. I didn't expect to be doing this with David Grassi tonight, but here we go. In 2020, whoever did this, by the way, you it was last edited two months ago by John of Reading. I'm presuming it was John who's done this. Uh, in 2020, Grassi took over Aberdeen side Byron Boys Club. On 10th of October that year, due to a string of injuries, Grassi made himself available as a player and started on the bench for a game against Lewis United. He substituted himself on in the 75th minute and helped keep a clean sheet in a 1-0 victory. Grassi continued to make himself available for the first team and scored the winner in a 2-1 win over Glenn Tanner and was named man of the match. Grassi scored again in a 1-1 draw against Middlefield Wasps in another man of the match performance. There we go. I love that. I just I love whoever's got the time <laughs> to be sitting on Wikipedia putting in a fake entry about David Grassi playing for Byron Boys Club. Lovely. Uh, yeah, Gav, he never was at any of those teams. May I read the very first sentence of his career? Oh, Grassi yes, began his career at youth teams of Parma. So get it right up, yes. That's not Espanol, though, is it? I, 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 don't, I don't recall seeing Espanol. I reckon instead of grass in his face mask, it should either just be the face mask itself just on the plinth or the Evening Express's version of the face mask on the plinth. Like a really cheap and nasty paper copy of it. Gav, you're here for this one. Mikey Devlin on the physio table <laughs> with an army of medical staff around him and Stephen Gunn waving a contract in his face. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you represent six months of being nowhere near the first team and being awarded a new contract for to prove your fitness. But yeah. Something like that, please. Andy, you're going to love this little section. I know that. People love this guy. I think of all the... Cult- I think I think we should try and get this guy on. I don't know what the fuck we talk about, but fuck it. Um, so there was a few suggestions. Dave Bus, but as an actual 52-seater bus to scale. <laughs> so I don't know what people were thinking there. I don't know if they were thinking like like a Thomas the Tank Engine type idea. <laughs> Cat bus, but with Dave Bus. <laughs> <laughs> Just Dave Buss's face <laughs> in front of a bus. Looking menacing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, Dave Buss on a rotating statue, but the, the statue has to rotate at a snail's pace that it took him to turn as well. I like that. It's good. Dave Buss in full diving header mode for the old goal. And then just like Dave Buss on a bus. <laughs> People do love Dave Buss, don't they? They do. They, they love Dave Buss. And then I can, if you've got, if you're going to do the Dave Bus, that's where you should put David Robertson reading his Beano on the Dave Bus. You could get twofer. It's a twofer. Well, but then you could also add an absolutely mortal dock just hitting the deck when the bus pulls up outside the Markleaf. So there's actually maybe there's more in the bus team than we think. Yeah. Oh, did uh, did Langfield not burn himself making coffee on the bus for a game once? That is true. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, he dropped it. Well, <laughs> he dropped a cup he of dropped a, He dropped a kettle. Or spilled on him. So look, there's four There's four people, bustling, genuine bustling incidents that we can have. So maybe there's something in this. I think we could just like turn this into like, rather than just individual stats, make it like almost like a concept album. Just make it all interconnected, you know? It's also from a corporate shilling point of view, it's an opportunity for a strategic transport partner first to offer up a bus. <laughs> 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 Careful, Graham. That's some serious shilling. Right if you're there. listening, first bus. I want a bus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did you do you want a bus or do you want Dave bus? No, I want a bus that I can then start <laughs> filling with our homemade AFC related statues. <laughs> well, that'd be amazing. Like really shitty paper mache jobs. And up next, you know, 
upper deck, right at the very back, probably smoking out the window. Chris McGuire on posting on Bebo. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> you could make it like an interactive thing. Like if you've ever been to Grampian Transport Museum, you, know, you can like hop on the old buses yeah. and shit and like walk down them. You could do that like this. Like you, so you could have Jamie. You could try and save Jamie Lyon from burning his feet or whatever. <laughs> but I like I like the idea of it. It's, it's I don't know. It's, are your reactions quicker than Jamie Langfield? It's a pound to get on the bus, and then it's 50p to animate each of the stations. Yeah. So, yeah, it'd pay for itself in no time. Shit, like, Cormac needs to be listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know he probably does anyway, but, you know, if you want some money-making ideas, this is, this is where it comes. For the avoidance of doubt, we are all copywriting and or taking credit for the idea of a bus. So if one appears outside Pataudry, we are due royalties. And if you were the one that suggested this on Twitter, sorry. Yeah, you didn't copyright it. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Clark wiping out Alan Hutton. That one has to be animated. In for this. Yeah, I'm up for that. Yeah, future interview, definitely with Chris Clark coming up. Uh, I'll ask him all about that incident. I remember the Red Final did an entire two-page spread about the Alan Hutton incident. It's one of the best pieces of I was gonna say, literature. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe stretching things a little bit. Um but it's one of the finest pieces of satire I've seen for quite some time. Uh, I need to dig it back out again. It's, a, it's an excellent piece. This one's brilliant. A naked from the waist down Archie Knox going off on one. It can't be completely naked because he would have his socks and shoes on. That's true. Manicured or not, using Manscaped. I think that's entirely up to Archie Knox. <laughs> but what do you think Archie does? Like, what do you think? I think there's a less than 0% chance that that man is any kind of Manscaped. <laughs> 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 a, this is one for the older fans Harold or Ingolfson Posed as he hoofs another cross Into the stand on the opposite side of the ground <laughs> I feel like I could replace that With Ilian Kiriakov I remember distinctly being at a game When I think I saw Earlier in the day Kiriakov being hustled Out of the 524 And then found him on the pitch that afternoon Which was a bit of a shock to the system I imagine for Ilian and for me uh, and we got a free kick on this. It was either on the main stand side or the south stand side. Pretty much right on the touchline, on the halfway line. And the whole team had basically flooded the box, thinking this is going to be a long diagonal in the box, ready for someone to win a, a header, win the second ball or whatever. Kiriakov strolled up to it, took the free kick, just smashed it straight out of play on the opposite side of the pitch, basically just in a straight line. It, it, it only carried about three yards forward. One of the funniest slash craziest moments of the Kiriakov era that I can recall. Amazing, amazing stuff. I was going to say, you could make that idea more current and make it Austin Samuels, but within the statue is like one of those machines that you get like baseball cages and it fires out a ball, like a football at like 100 miles an hour and the challenge is you have to duck, otherwise it's going to take your fucking head off. (laughs) If you're brave enough to head it, you get like, I don't know, like a complimentary pie or something. (laughs) <laughs> the bonus of not dying <laughs> <laughs> and a, th- a three year contract Mark McGee in full get that tape up please <laughs> of course <laughs> and maybe with a sound effect is that allowed? yeah there's like a speaker within it yeah like a motion sensor yeah. that's like sense a mobile phone nearby and then <laughs> <laughs> can we tweak it slightly that he's at his uh, desktop <laughs> like slightly modernise it <laughs> It just pops up from his two screens. He sends his phone nearby. Yeah. His Packard Bell computer. Yeah. It's... <laughs> no, time. It's time. 
were time a computer manufacturer? No, I seem to remember I think that so. from because I can't, who was it we spoke about this about the about the McGee thing because somebody made the good point he's probably running Windows XP. <laughs> And you know he still has to plug his modem in before he goes online. <laughs> Wait for it to connect. Yes, absolutely. What's that screeching in the phone line? Oh, yeah, that's my internet. Maybe that's why he hates phones so much, because if you pick one up, his internet goes off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Mark McGee, Mark McGee man. can never be out of football again, man. No, <laughs> Once not. again, legend is a player, we promise. Yeah, Definitely, but just an absolute twat of a man. Uh, Alan Gow outside Tesco West Hill on deadline day. Just any deadline day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it should have been Tesco West Hill. I think it should have been Greg's. I always feel these were Greg's chats. That all started with like Rowan Ricketts being spotted in a Greg's, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> Rowan Ricketts did trial for Aberdeen, didn't he? He was on trial, yeah. Um, the same game that. Gerald, well, the same game where Gerald Eiffel earned the contract, so Rowan Ricketts must have been fucking honking that day. Uh, the golden generation. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Mark McGee deciding he wasn't good enough. Jesus. Uh, not just one, I like this. I, I, someone put thought into this. Not just one statue, but a whole diorama in bronze, immortalising the moment the killer, it was um, Salah Combe, yeah. Threw the ball off Daramaki's head into the goal. I like that idea. Does anyone remember Alan Combe getting abused? Did Alan Combe play for Dunfermline? Remember him playing for... No, Dunfermline. Yeah, I can't remember yeah, him playing for them. I remember him playing for Killian United. For some reason, I have Alan Combe as the guy, but maybe I'm getting two chants mixed up here because Alan Combe was obviously subject to the whole I'd rather be a brush than a comb thing, which is wonderfully immature. But I think I'm getting them mixed up because I remember a, a Dunfermline goalkeeper wearing... Dunfermline, their, their kit had white socks and he was wearing black boots and he just got shouted at for wearing white socks with black shoes for about an hour there we go that was a interesting <laughs> say to my head it was anyway i think it was alan cole maybe it wasn't who knows um steve patterson with his head just popping out from the boot of a car oh. <laughs> it's brutal it's brutal <laughs> but i quite like it we could put it in the convoy with a dave bus <laughs> and again i feel like it needs to be i, I feel like it needs to be like animatronic I feel like it should have a motion sensor and like when you come past it, it just creeps up and he has a wee poke out. I think we're opening a theme park here. Like <laughs> I think so. A terrifying one. But... <laughs> it's like a regular house of horrors, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it, could, hey, it would fit in with a new beach master plan and we replace it for Kadonas. <laughs> the Abertine FC house of horrors. <laughs> Fucking hell. David Bates, or the, the Ginger Ramos, uh, as he's now to be known, apparently, with a handful of opposition shirt while defending the box. Not having this. Not having that one. It feels sacrilege, because if anyone should be immortalised with their hands on an opposing player's shirt in the box, what's Andrew Constantine been doing all these years? <laughs> yeah, it's Andy Constantine every day of the week for this one. With probably a distant Willie Collum. It'll just be small, obviously to make it look like he's in the distance, just ready to pull a red card out. <laughs> just mid-pool. Eb Scovedal in a mini skirt, smoking a fag. Perfect. Delightful. <laughs> Certainly fits with the House of Horrors themes. <laughs> Pop this one next to Archie Knox. And... <laughs> Jeez. I feel as well, at the same time with this one, if you're going to put Eb in a mini skirt, right, you should somehow immortalise, you know, the guy that went on to 
BBC Sport Sound in the immediate aftermath of the Dave Cormack meltdown and completely murdered the Ebscove Dove quote when he talked about, you know, the, you know, the classic statistical miniskirt one. And the guy said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Ebscove Dove said statistics are like miniskirts. They go up and down, <laughs> which wasn't, the, which wasn't the quote. So I feel like, I feel like you should immortalize the bastardizing of the quote with this Ebscove Dove statue. So again, have the miniskirt going up and down and then have like whoever it was with the quote on the plinth. Ebscove Dove statistics are miniskirts that go up and down. <laughs> Perfect. I would love to see these just lined up as well next to the Fergie one. You know, like the really nice, really like tasteful Fergie one. <laughs> and then just all this nonsense around them. This is what we had. And then it all went <laughs> Surrounded by some of the worst managers we've ever had. Making um, like chronological order, a history. <laughs> history yeah, yeah. Nigel Pepper being shown one of his many red cards. <laughs> Fair play. Personally, I'd have gone for the one of him where he was like head slumped down. You know he's got the proper. Who is? It? I'm trying to think of the. I'm trying to think of the meme or the where it's come from. But just with the head completely down, sunken shoulders after he got sent off against United, and he just knew that was it. He was totally fucked. That's the look I'm going for. You could have him uh, proud if you wanted to turn a positive spin on it. You could have Nigel Pepper proudly displaying his highly prized collection of red cards from his short time. <laughs> Played for York City in a team that beat Man United. As I think we talked about this in the worst eleven chat. Stuart McKimmy giving the fans the middle finger, which he did. Um, Stuart will be on in a couple of weeks to talk about this incident. Um, it's not quite as straightforward as you think, but there we go. I like this one. I don't know who it was. I can't remember who it was suggested this, but I did like it. A statue of Bill McMurdo holding his gentleman's agreement that he agreed for Lewis Ferguson's departure. <laughs> <laughs> All over that. That's very funny. Bill McMurdo, what an absolute twat of a man. I like this one. I'd like a modernist in- impression of Willem van der Aert. What? <laughs> All up for that. I-, I would just like to see, you know how like, when you get like really shitty statues done and they've just got them horribly wrong? I want to see the Willem van der Aert one done with just the proportions just all to shit. Like, I just want to see, like, I don't know, six feet of legs and then like a tiny little body at the top. Because that'd be pretty much like, we'll watch the Willem van der Aert. <laughs> Gary, I like this. This was good. Someone put some thought into this one. Gary McKay, Stephen emerging from a river. This could be a permanent water feature in the perpetually flooded club. (laughs) (laughs) Get it. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Good. Uh, Miles Story missing from a yard out. I don't know how you would do that. Again, you can have to do the goals and everything, aren't you? You A lot of infrastructure going into that one. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to need some serious land to pull this off. Yeah, like, yeah we're going to need far more than the concourse of the Dick Donald. <laughs> I hope they think about this for the beach master plan. That's all I can say. You could have it running up the entire beach promenade, like the entire beach boulevard area. You know what? Fuck it, mate. I'm just going to steal Theo Ten Cat's idea. We just need to get rid of the entire golf course. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of room. Was it not Celtic? We're thinking about doing like a was like a walkway of legends or whatever they were going to call it. Like in the, you know the big drive up towards the main stand at Parkhead. That's what they were going to do. We could do the same, but just with all these donkeys. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. We make it chronological. We start it with the Fergie statue and then we work our way. And then we get up to the point of glass being appointed and we have like a screen that's saying like outstanding candidate. And this was going to save the club. And then you walk through the door and then you just fall off a cliff. So your 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 new one is just like a a, a Stephen Glass on a plinth. And the only thing on the plinth will be outstanding candidate. Oh man, I feel so bad for laughing at that. I really want it to work. 
I really wanted it to work. And here we are. Here we are. A statue of Alan Russell next to him saying, I made Harry Kane. <laughs> no, the Alan Russell would just be him sitting in the passenger seat of his car as his brother's dr- drink driving. <laughs> like driving with a, a bottle of beer in his hand or something. Jesus Christ. Uh, hey. Another personal favourite of the podcast, Jason Brown. Laying down like a cow chewing cud. <laughs> oh, I just love the language there. It's it's great language. I don't even know who it was. I don't know if it was Duncan. I don't know if it was Duncan Roth in it that suggested this one. Or if I'm thinking it was Duncan, because Duncan had suggested Duncan uh, is one of our regular Twitter contributors and stuff. I think he still works for them. Uh, a well-known pizza chain. I don't think I'm not gonna give them free advertising. Fuck that. We we keep our shilling for people that pay us. Um, <laughs> what do you think this is? Um, and he was saying that when I think he still does pizza deliveries, but um, back in the day, he, he used to quite frequently have to go and deliver pizzas to Jason Brown while he was a player at Aberdeen, which just <laughs> you'd never have known it, would you? <laughs> Good job. I was sitting down when you read that one. Graham, you weren't here also when we spoke with Andy last, but do you recall Jason Brown's debut at Rugby Park when you had a sizable amount of money on the game and uh, he threw one in within like the first 10 minutes? I've been trying not to recall that for a number of years now, but thank you for that. <laughs> it was a good day out, wasn't it, that one? No, it wasn't. Somebody was talking to me on Twitter about like, oh, like it'll be good to see come out back in the top flight. And I was like, no, it won't. It's the worst away day <laughs> In the country, and all I can ever think about is that day. Remember, we were walking in Kilmarnock to find a pub that was a open or on match day, or b that actually had like TVs stuff on tap, (laughs) stuff on tap. Well, yeah. yeah. So so we did find one that was open, and it's like a pint of lager. The lager's off. Well, traditional, you put the glass on it to let me know that it's off. Then you're basically working my way through the tap, so it's off. So you're not really open, are you? Right, can we watch a Sky Sports? So we don't have Sky. Well, the banner outside said you've got fucking Sky. That's why we're in here. <laughs> Absolute shambles of a day before we even got to the football. Yeah. We should have just gone home with that we point. Because if your day starts off like that, you know there's no coming back from that. But yet you still stuck 50 quid on Aberdeen that day. Well, I'd done it before we got there. Oh, there we go. I'll never forget your face as Jason Brown came. I think I did this on the pod. Last time we talked about it, I was going to say charged out, waddled out. Got, <laughs> got got beat to the ball by I can't remember who it was. Was it Gary Harkins? Some joker. I want to say it was Gary Harkins for some reason. Stuck it in after two minutes. Who was not exactly swift either, if I may mention. Uh, no, that's the world's worst foot race. That yeah, like. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and just Graham turning absolutely white after it. it was just, there we go. Um, Tommy Wright sticking the heat on Stephen Craig. <laughs> of course. But in his police uniform. Yeah. <laughs> Brandishing the badge. <laughs> yes, absolutely. With the quote. You have the right to remain on the deck. <laughs> <laughs> that one's got to be animated, just so we're clear. I'm absolutely up for that. <laughs> With the quote on the bot on the plinth again, I was always the peacemaker. Yeah. <laughs> Graham, you might remember this. It's just come to me now. Mind that New Year's Eve, we went for a curry. Oh, yes. And yes. Tommy Wright was in. For the voice of doubt, it wasn't just Gary and I at Romantic Curry. It was the place he used to live, had a restaurant. Tommy Wright was there. I forgot about there, that. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, that's true, actually. Bar staff were flying and <laughs> waiters getting tossed around the place. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy was in the middle telling everyone to settle down. <laughs> 
was going to say, I bet he ordered a karma. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd rather go for the one where he basically nearly murdered Stevie Hammond. Really. Again, I would do both. I would put both of them up there. Um, yeah, Tommy Wright, mate. Tommy Wright. Or also, the other quote would be, it was just handbags. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I don't think we could have got anywhere with this one. Craig Brown chatting up a gag of lasses at a bar. <laughs> just writes itself doesn't it there's not yeah. much more that needs to be said for that one I still love that I still love Mark Reynolds's chat about that one though just I don't know Andy, if you'd heard this interview with Mark Reynolds Mark's telling us about how he's like he moved back to, to Aberdeen obviously after leaving United at Cove now and he was like we just moved back to the area and got a phone call from his lassie who I used to know and she's like oh we're just outside the house do you want to pop out and for a be chat and he's like black car blacked out windows pulls up and it's window comes down to Craig Brown he's got like five lassies in the car with him and he's just <laughs> like and like Reynolds is like this is like literally weeks ago this is like literally in the last couple of months he's like ah uh, Mark how's it going hey, hey. I'm batting well below average here as you can see Mark <laughs> and it's like fucking hell it just perpetuates the myth what a guy <laughs> um, I feel that somebody was listening to us in the in the worst Don's 11 pod here General Eiffel with an actual bomb at his feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless, man. <laughs> I feel if it's General Eiffel, we need, once again, we're going to be talking about an animated statue here, but one where like he's like sort of leaning tower of Pisa, so he's like mid-fall at Fir Park. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Completely vertical and then just goes down like the sack of shit that he was that day. And then it makes a, a massive sound, like a proper rumbling sound effect when he hits the deck. <laughs> Jackie McNamara sorry I'll give him his real title Jackie fucking McNamara shuffling up the Hamden Tunnel get in could we know can bring back the bus theme for this one and have him boarding a mega bus back to Edinburgh yes. after the game like, <laughs> yes yes yes, yeah. yes. definitely <laughs> complaining about his like bad bat <laughs> fucking idiot prick <laughs> Greg Townsend should we get Jackie McNamara on yeah I don't think <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd pay for that let alone listen for, for me <laughs> I don't think Jackie would come on I'm just, I've got a wee hunch I don't know what it is I don't feel that we could give him a real fair hearing I think I would try to for about 20 seconds yeah I'd probably need to like bring in like an independent panel <laughs> just bring just bring. we just step away yeah <laughs> my disdain would be dripping from the moment he appeared it'd be disgusting eh <laughs> uh, <laughs> Craig Tansy with a map of Inverurie searching for a pub. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last but not least, Dean Windass javelin, javelining a corner flag. Javelining is not a word. <laughs> javelining a word? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not a word, <laughs> but a verb. I feel like it's a better word than the real world, so javelining is what I want. <laughs> I, w- I wanted to say this is Dean Windass javelining, javelining a corner flag. <laughs> Yeah. I would have Dean Windass in five stages of each of the red cars he received at Tannadice. <laughs> Could be in the Nigel Pepper exhibit. <laughs> the, the, the Nigel Pepper <laughs> wing. That's what you call it, yes. That's the one. Would that, would that be in the Hall of Shame? Is that where all these guys would go? That's what the name of the theme park is. <laughs> the AFC Hall of Shame. I absolutely adore it. I'm not going to lie. Free admission to all season ticket holders. <laughs> You've suffered enough. And under and under twelves. <laughs> Get them used to it. <laughs> Here's your future. <laughs> Enjoy it, kids. 
I love it. Some great, great, great suggestions in there. Um, this has been uh, a lovely little segment to, uh, to to feed us our way through International Week. If you're going to have to pick a winner out of these boys, what, what would you go for? And there's a reason why I'd like to, or actually, tell you what, will we come up with a little short list of, let's say, okay. our four favourites, right? Okay. And I'm going to put this to the, we'll put it back out to the solar system for a vote and then we've got we've got a wee idea up our sleeves on this one um that we might run forward with so we'll put it to a popular vote and see what happens so if you were going to go with top four let's say top four top four if you had to pick one what will we go with one each yeah we're making this up on the hoof one each yeah agreed yeah agreed one each right i'll let you guys go first i'll i'll i'll, I'll go in a clockwise order as I can see on my screen so Graham you first it's really really difficult I'm going for the Mackay Stephen emerging from the river in the club nice. shop nice nice like it Gav Darren Mackey <laughs> yeah 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 Darren Mackey watching Lord of the Rings <laughs> with an untouched copy of the book next to him I feel that this might get us in trouble though when we come to the idea but never mind uh, Andy you're up next uh, I'm nothing if not predictable, so it's talking Tommy right. <laughs> <laughs> Police badge, headbutt, everything. The whole thing, the whole shebang. Aye, the Tommy Wright cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to go with, uh, I really like the Lauren Jaffa one, right? But I think it's way too niche is my only issue with it. Because I, I feel you had to have been in the ground that day. And if you weren't there, you just, you've got no idea what what, what that meant. Yeah, because it doesn't really like, like the McFarlane one in the turtle. Like anyone who saw him in yeah. any game, that's yeah. funny. But as the Jaffa one, it's not like he was renowned for top corner and then bursting his hamstring. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's just someone clutching his hamstring, isn't it? Could be literally anyone. Could be Steve Level from yeah. It could be any of the signings that Derek McInnes made this last three or four seasons. To be honest, um, I like the Epsco of Dallas miniskirt, smoking a fag one. I think that's that's quality. But does anyone really need that image? No, I think that says a lot about you. <laughs> I think it's Dave Bus on a bus for me. He's got to be on there. Dave's got to be on Dave there. Dave Bus on a bus. Dave Bus on a bus for me. Right, there we go. That's our four. We'll stick the poll up shortly on this one. And the winner, <laughs> say the winner, uh, will hopefully take that idea and we'll run with it and there might be something pretty cool that comes off the back of it. So lovely stuff. There we go. That's more than enough of that nonsense. Andy Murray, thank you so much for joining us for the second time on the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to come on here and talk about some of the worst guys to ever be associated with our great football club. (laughs) (laughs) Which seems to be the recurring theme. (laughs) I feel that next time we need to try and do something a little bit more positive with you. Ah, well, you know. (laughs) I'll talk about Dave Boss. I don't mind. (laughs) It's been a pleasure, Andy. Top man. Catch you later on. Likewise. Cheers, lads. And that wraps up this week's COVID-filled episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us, Sam. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow, whatever on your podcast player of choice. Join us next week for episode 38, where we'll review the trip to Dens Park. We'll look ahead to the visit of mad racist Malky Mackay's Dross County to Pataudry. And we take a look back at how the women's team have fared against Celtic in the Scottish Cup. And we'll bring you the latest in our line of exclusive interviews with Don's personalities of past and present. And this time, it's a man who made 59 appearances in total for the club, scoring two goals in the process 
and who'll be starring at Wembley Stadium on Sunday in the Papa John's. It's Rob Milsom. We look forward to seeing you then. Stand free.